0: Alright then, welcome to Boom Talk Studios. Deep in the heart of an overcast, very wet, very drafty Wednesday Eugene, Oregon. Fox trying in a foxhole, season one, episode 28. Your faithful host here, Ken Harlem, for another weekly dive into the wacky, wonderful world of sports. You know, a little recap, a little commentary, and some other fun things. Yeah, this is an intense week. So much going on in, in the world of sports. beautiful. In fact, I'm kind of sitting here watching PSG and Lorient on one screen, Liverpool and the Spurs on another. And right this time of year where they, where they definitely um, cram in as many fixtures as possible. It's a wonderful thing. So much to talk about. You know, obviously... The world of COVID and how it's affecting the professionals and the uh, collegiate ranks. Insane. Got a special guest again. Alec is back to talk to us about what's been going on in campus and give us a, a little bit of an NBA preview. I shouldn't say a little bit, but definitely an NBA preview as we're getting ready to launch that season next week. So this is going to be a pretty good episode. Going to be a little bit lengthy, so... Grab yourself a little joe or grab yourself a beer and let's enjoy. All right, With further ado, let's rock this thing. Okay, as we always start out with, you know, that weekly ritual that's become known as The COVID Chronicles. Well, a lot going on in COVID land. But you know what? The list is shorter this week. but It doesn't mean the week, as far as the professionals are concerned, isn't full of some major storylines. It started out with the MLS Cup, with uh, Darlington Nagby and Santos of the Columbus Crew testing positive, and they missed the Cup match on Saturday, which was too bad for them, but as we'll find out in a little bit, it didn't matter. But nonetheless, you could get the idea, once again, not playing in a bubble type of situation, the kind of impacts these these uh, outbreaks can have you know, to a particular squad. Columbus was pretty fortunate there. In fact, the NFL just informed teams that the league does not plan on requiring local bubbles during the postseason. They came up with something to the effect of Teams can only require players to stay in a hotel the night before games. So obviously that's in, you know, the uh the CBA and sure that the NFLPA pushed back in some way. But I tell you, it really um you know, begs the question, and we'll be asking this repeatedly tonight, how are you going to survive these playoffs without being in a bubble? We can go into countless reasons as to how somebody could come down with this terrible virus slash disease. So, yeah, I don't. I'm not sure what to think of that because I know at one point the idea was floated, and clearly, like I just said, I think the NFL P, NFLPA shot it down because I thought that take your time, come up with the bubble city. Nice warm weather, yeah, it takes away the home-field advantage, but you want to be able to pull off these games, and preferably with integrity. Now, we've already seen, in the case of Denver wheeling out a wide receiver from the practice squad, integrity be damned, the show must go on. One thing I can say that's good in the NFL's favor is the Czar... Mr. Goodell came out this week and he said that the NFL will not jump the line for vaccine access. Fantastic. I hope the other sports follow Commissioner Goodell's lead. I know there will be some people out there who say that they are essential workers because of what this is doing to lift our morale. Well, in the NBA's case, judging by the ratings, I'm not so sure about that. But that said, you know, it's it's been exciting, but there, you know, in due time, it's easier to postpone a season for a little bit, make sure the people that need to get these vaccines before we give players and college athletes, That's just the way I see it, it's not that essential in moving the timeline along, we've done it for the Olympics, we've done it for other things, it's not the end of the world, people. Especially seeing that you know, the first vaccines were deployed. Saw the wonderful nurse, you know, taking getting hers administered to her. Fantastic stuff. We're gonna have some dark days, obviously, you know, before we can get our population, you know, uh, truly inoculated from this. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Like I said, really drafty. You know, it's interesting because before Goodell said this, the NHL had discussed buying its own supply of, uh, I want to think it was the Moderna. I'm not sure if it was Pfizer, but it doesn't matter or not. It's just a poor optic Um, at this point, Tap, I get it, and not to say that these businesses aren't taking financial hits. They are, but. You know, tell the mom and pops and some of the smaller folks who are crying me a river who are under far greater restrictions and some can't even operate, you know, whereas even in a limited fashion, these uh, teams are still able to generate revenue. But yeah, I don't think by your own supply, at least if you're going to, make sure you don't jump the line. You You want to be able to, yes, protect your players, but you want the public as well. You want to be able to have folks go back to your game so you can actually make a dime or two. you Yeah? In fact, speaking of the NHL, some NHL teams are actually contemplating playing outside if state restrictions will allow for such events. You know how the outdoor series in the last decade or so has been really fantastic. You know, it's been uh, a big fan favorite you know, some teams actually would prefer to do that on a regular basis. Love to see the logistics. Guess you can socially distance and get fans out there. You can meet regulations. I guess it wouldn't be too bad in the case of the Sharks, Kings, and Ducks or some of the Florida teams, you know, right? And I'm sure some of the East Coast teams and you've got hardcore fans who'd be willing. It'd probably necessitate some uh, daytime starts. Interesting, uh, proposal. See, you know, if things don't get better and we actually go in that direction, you know, although I kind of feel this idea that they had already discussed, and I actually thought that was the direction they were going into with the bubble cities. That you know seems to be more wiser, but. You know, I'm not the one that's being locked down, even though I have been locked down earlier in the year with this stuff, like many people have been, you know, without having a um, five star chef, golf, and other, you know, top shelf abilities and, um, you know, recreational tools. (sighs) I know the compassion, the compassion meter. (coughs) But. We know that the Boston Bruins and the L.A. Kings are among the teams that are talking about playing outside. Definitely keep you uh, informed as far as where that goes. And lastly, the Washington football team and a few others, after letting fans in, have basically said, no more fans for the remaining games at FedEx Field. There's been other teams that have done that as well. You know, I guess, you know, the rub is COVID spiking way, way, way out of control. And it's not slowing down. You can see that here in Oregon. You can see that here in most states. And, you know, even though we have really positive news on the vaccine front, still going to be, you know, another three or four months of, you know, some very dark days as we're in, cold. People have a tendency to congregate indoors more when it gets cold. And then, you know, the whole notion of people with COVID fatigue and are just tired of living in lockdown conditions or restricted conditions, however you want to, you know, terminology you want to use for it. Yeah. it, it, You know, so we're going to have some tough months ahead of us. And I think you're going to see the wiser teams. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to, like, take a shot at at some of these states because I watch games in, like, Florida and uh, Ohio and a few of these other places, Texas, where I'm seeing fans. I'm starting to see more and more fans. In fact, you know, there was a big deal about uh, the Premier League letting fans back in. But with uh, COVID spiking crazy over uh, over there, they have decided to in many grounds. As I'm looking up here, there are no fans at this Liverpool-Spurs game. So, right. We're making a turn. I think we should be wise. Just <laughs> keep the fans out. If you're not going to postpone the games or, or events, and we'll get to a better place. It just seems that's the that's the wiser thing to do. Oh wait a minute! I take that back. I guess over here, I guess there are some fans here. I know some grounds have been, have decided not to have fans. I thought I thought that was league wide, but there was clearly clearly some fans at the cop, which is interesting because I could have you know swore that they told me that uh, this was a league wide ban. Anyhow. Yeah, definitely uh, things to keep an eye on. And wow, it's kind of crazy over there watching Kylian Mbappe do his moves. <laughs> right, trying to do a podcast and I had two big European games in the uh, Premier League and in League One. Life's good. Okay, let's shift gears as we like to do. Fill up, get our trays up, Finish our cocktails and uh, Stow away all of our gear And hop on our little cruiser And take a 43,000 foot view above campus As always, there's a lot going on there Lots going on there A very busy week Not a surprise, right? So, what do we got for you? Well Kevin Sumlin is out in Arizona after the cats get clobbered by ASU. We're talking, not clobbered, we're, we're uh, massacred. I think it was 70 to 7. And I got home from like doing some errands. And I kind of popped in. TVs are always on here, right? <laughs> yeah, because just keeping the, you know, it's kind of like uh, my, 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 my ongoing ticker. Anyway, Game's on, and I just, I, I, I look over, and I see that score, and I'm thinking, oh, there's no way you keep your job getting your butt kicked with the terito- territorial cup like that. I just, I mean, that, the second I saw that score, I just go, oh, homie, you're, oh, homie, you're, they're going to run you out of town. And lo and behold, yeah, he's not the only one to get a pink slip. Gus Malzahn is out at Auburn after eight seasons. And I thing that's kind of uh, numbing about this, $22 million bailout for Malzahn. Think on that. I mean, yes, he had some great success. No question. Mm. Maybe not lived up to expectations, but I just wonder, you know, about the sometimes, I know they make lots and lots and lots of money in college athletics, but when you sit there and you see some of these guys, I mean, even Helfrich here, when he uh, left the U of O after uh, some, a 4-8 season, he got like an $11.5 million bailout. I don't know how you sell that, too, but, you know, if the boosters are down with it, what the uh, students and your, you know, blue-collar, rank-and-file fans feel, be damned. Yeah? (coughs) Excuse me, folks. Oh, so let's talk about what else is going on above, high above campus. So this just as a surprise. Our man Dabo who's had a lot to say lately. Yes, he has. He feels Ohio State shouldn't even be conservative for the college football playoff. Imagine that. Right? I mean, you know, it's just Dabo still being Dabo and talking about the moving of the goalposts in terms of what constitutes being eligible for the conference championship game the amount of games they've been able to play versus conferences like the Pac-12 and the Big Ten starting later and playing fewer games, and then even those schedules being compromised by canceled games as a result of high numbers of infections, you know, stuff that we've been talking about on this podcast for weeks. Whew, man. Anyway, it's kind of funny when you know, when you talk about Dabo talking all this trash in particular about Notre Dame and and Clemson I think more so with Clemson especially there's a there's a certain feeling that the preferential treatment because of America's love affair with Trevor Lawrence to make sure that they get in the playoff but the truth is, yeah, I, I, we've we've criticized the Big Ten left and right, and I'm sure we're not done doing that. But you know, as they as they say on all the channels, and quick sidebar, most a lot with a huge banger just now. Liverpool takes a 1-0 lead on the Spurs in the twenty seventh minute. Beautiful stuff right there. <laughs> but you know, ACC, you know, commissioner basically just says, man, you know. Yes, we could have went out and fished opponents and, and chased it. As you talked about last week. Ducking a big game does not hurt your playoff chances. Well, it may smell a little bit, but hello. The idea is if you want to get paid, you have to be in the playoff. Play a unnecessary game, take an unnecessary W, you don't get paid as much. Or you don't get paid at all. Yeah, so a lot of crazy stuff as always. Sooners in West Virginia was off. Big deal up here is outside of, outside of the state rivalry game, formerly known as the Civil War, being off. Nobody ate Huskies. And Ducks, that's as big as uh, Beavers' Ducks. In some people's minds, it's even bigger, given the uh, dislike between both fan bases. Yeah, I was kind of sad to see that. Uh, Bearcats and Tulsa, Battle of ranked teams, off the board, which is going to have people raising eyebrows, whether or not, to, to, what to do with Cincinnati, as far as the college football playoff is concerned. See Cal Arizona is off. Stanford USC. Let's see here, Indiana Purdue for the old oak and bucket this this coming weekend. What are they? I forget. Like one hundred thirteen years in a row or something like that. That's off. Michigan Iowa, which is a, a long streak, is off. And so back to the Ducks and the Huskies. So the Pac twelve championship game is going to be played on. Friday night, two days from now, because we're actually doing this on a Wednesday in the afternoon. A lot of controversy there to bring up a little bit when we get to Alec here in the next block. But it was going to be USC and Washington. But Washington is unable to fill their roster with enough eligible players that do, you know, obviously they don't have COVID. So they had to bow out. Of course, the conspiracy theory in me, the conspiracists in me, should say, I feel the same face from all the um, the FFs, as, as, as they're known as, that Larry Scott and, and the Congress has done, the same face they need to have as an attractive game as possible. And USC Oregon definitely fits that bill. Nobody wanted to see USC Washington. I know people in Colorado are very angry given the, the wonderful season they had. But really, really, um, yeah. As, as much as I think it's kind of shady and it's right in line with what we've seen in college football 2020 with making, st- making the rules up as we go, Constantly moving the goalposts to suit whatever needs to get paid. It is a business, after all. Even though there's supposed to be more integrity involved, there's not, and we're getting a um, a raw display of truly, you know, how cutthroat and business-minded. These presidents and athletic directors and obviously TV executives, everybody in that, you know, in in the supply chain that's known as college athletics. Anyway, too bad for Colorado, but I feel we will get a very attractive game Friday night. Tune in, it should be fun. Um, LSU self-imposed penalty, I'll get to that a little bit later. How about that? I think you know where I'm going with that. Got a couple of bowl games that have been canceled as uh, so the Frisco Bowl is canceled as SMU opts out. Virginia Tech announces they are opting out of any bowl game opportunities as well, uh, which is, which will be breaking a 27-year streak. However, at 5 and 6, you have to ask yourself, do you really want to be at a bowl game? Our kids want to be home today. I'm like, he stunk this year. Do us a favor. We don't wanna see your five and six you know, I won't say you're on life support, but that's just, just that. In this COVID year, yes, we'll take whatever sports programming you wanna offer us, but the truth is uh uh underachieving five and six team, you know, playing another one, yeah, I can do without that matchup. Just saying. Okay, so what happened on the field? Hey, we're having fun here. I uh, always appreciate it. You Got any um, feedback, f-t-i-n-f-x at uh, gmail.com. would love to hear from you. Also, I forgot to give a shout-out to the folks at www.purpleplanet.com for the wonderful theme song. I know I keep talking about the scene that's definitely coming, and guess what? The Spurs have just equalized, so we've got 1-1 one, one here. Fantastic game. And somehow the stream for PSG disappeared. But uh, yeah, this is cool stuff. Anyway, let's talk about what happened to conference. (laughs) Not conference. What happened on the film? See, I'm so excited. I'm going to have to have more caffeine during my break. (laughs) Alabama. Are they a machine or what? Arkansas has improved. At least uh, to my eye. And not that they were improved to the po- to the point where I should be surprised of Alabama winning fifty two to three, but after some early season stumbles, is, they are taking care of business, and from all appearances, look to be a very tough out as far as. They will be in the college football playoff, even if they lose in the SEC championship. They've just, I think, accumulated that good of a resume. We'll see. Big upset. We've talked about the struggles that Mr. Ed and his Bayou Bengals down in Baton Rouge have had, but they can stick a major feather in their cap and actually Salvaged their season by getting a huge 37-34 upset over the number six ranked Florida Gators. You know, as we used to play that game when we were kids, you sucked my battleship. Well, yeah, whatever faint hope the Gators had of maybe squeaking in, well, you can kiss that goodbye. Number nine, UGA, Bulldogs, took care of number 14, Mizzou, actually routed them. But the game that really raises my eyebrows. Because you know, I always like talking about the you. The you. It's all about the you. It's all about the you. It's all about the you. All about the you. Yeah, right. Billy Corbin shouting out to you. Anyway, let me say this. So, I've been saying for weeks about how f- fool's gold they are. And they aren't back. And I don't know what. This is going to have to happen as far as that's concerned, right? Um North Carolina this big ACC battle. You know, I I've been kind of high on them. They started out pretty hot. Got a little stumble there, but actually picked themselves back up. And these two met. And the Tar Heels beat the Canes 62 to 26. To put an exclamation part point on the frauds that the Canes are, and how far they still have to go. Uh, yeah, I mean, down. This is down at uh, whatever that Sun, whatever that stadium is called. You know, where the Dolphins play as well. I mean, right. It, seriously, and I'm sitting there thinking, why are they still ranked ten? They're not that good. They. Gotten fat on some chicken and dumplings teams. And then, whenever it was time to play somebody, uh, legit, they get slapped in the face. And the way, they get their butts handed to them by the Tar Heels. Anyways, see ya, Miami. It ain't about the you. It ain't about the you. Not this year, anyway. Oh, and our darlings, number 13, Carol <laughs> Coastal Carolina, well, they had quite a scare, but they were able to hold off Troy. It's like 42-38. Northwestern, keeping all of our friends in the uh, journalism business happy. They continue to roll. 28-10, they'll play Ohio State. And as a result of Illinois getting ran, our our, our buddy, the legendary Levy Smith, is also looking for a new job. Number 15, SC. Hook it up in the the Battle of the LA Universities. SC, the University of California at Los Angeles. Yeah, that was uh, quite a game. Um, I really like the strides the Bruins have made with Chip Kelly this year. Uh, Program was pretty much poo, even though three and three. Of a very impressive three, I think that uh, Oregon and USC, I mean, UCLA, I mean, USC, yeah, are games they could have won. They didn't. But I think if you're a Bruin fan, you could have some cautious optimism that they're going to challenge for Pac-10 South titles in the near future. I think Chip has turned it around there. SC... I don't know what to say. It's been a very good season. Looking forward to seeing what they do against Oregon Friday night. But you gotta think every game you win keeps, keeps Clay Hilton there longer. Some of y'all are cool with that and saying, yo, we down with Clay. As I've said a long, long, long time. If I was a cardigan, that's what when you know if you go to Cal State Northridge, that's what we call the Trojan alumni, the cardigans. (laughs) If I was a cardigan, I wouldn't be happy with no Clay Helton. Just saying. Trojans are kind of an afterthought. (laughs) I know. So my friends who like the uh, Trojans are probably going to be all in my dome about that. Anyways, still got a few things to talk about here. College football playoff rankings are out. Should we be surprised that it's Bama, Dame, Clemson, Ohio State, (laughs) (laughs) A&M, and ISU, who I told you about last week, about keeping an eye on. Good to see the committee giving them some props. No shock there. Flip it over to a little bit of the hardwood. A uh, scary situation with the Florida Gators hoop star Keontae Johnson, who collapsed on the court, had some uh, very, uh, shall I say, some pretty um, tight days there where people weren't sure what the outcome was going to be. You know, he was in an induced coma, but now he's talking and communicating with folks via FaceTime. Seemed like that's going to work out. Hopefully, He can get back to the court, let alone have a normal and stable life. You know, our best wishes and go out to his family, friends, Florida program. Make sure that he gets, you know, uh, a a, a full recovery. Yeah, very scary stuff. That was kind of interesting. You know, Coach K made some interesting remarks about not wanting to play basketball. Why are we doing this? You know. Kind of, sad. kind of, sad. It's big in that familiar reign that we've heard so many times. Whether it's in the bubble with guys, you know, like George Hill, you know, uh, Coach K echoed similar sentiments. I mean. It- Alec and I will touch a little bit more about that. I'll just say a little bit here about Bama's coach basically sounding off and just saying, well, it may, if you didn't have all those early season losses and not, not have the advantage of having fans that camper in the door, maybe you wouldn't be saying that. Rather salty, don't you think? Guy's got a point, I guess. He's got a point. But once again... Just because you feel something, and maybe even F, you're right, doesn't mean you gotta go put somebody like Coach K on full blast like that. I thought it was funny. It gives us some talking points. Uh, we also got the, uh, Gonzaga and Stamper top of the men, the men, the men and women's top 25. Woo, we're having our trouble with the rewards today. Hey, hey. And also keep an eye out for the Supreme Court's review, reviewing of the student athlete compensation case that's gonna be happening here soon. Could have some pretty widespread implications. Talked a lot about this in the earlier episodes. That talk's kind of waned in recent time. But yeah, that's something to definitely need to keep an eye on. Alrighty. We are gonna take a short break, and then when we come back, we're gonna have my good man, Alec Ford. Alrighty, let's talk a little college football, and there is so much to talk about. Got Alec here. Um, we've been—we this is the third time doing this. We talked about this in the beginning. We talked about things once football started, and now that we have a full picture, let's get Alex' <laughs> take on the twenty twenty football season <laughs> thus far. Well,
1: to say it's a season like no other is the biggest understatement in the world. Um, What could you say? I mean, there are some good individual storylines that you could point to. Like, I look at Alabama's quarterback, Mac Jones. Um, Looks like the real deal. Um, But you just can't help but feel like it's just dominated by cancellations. That's pretty much the that's pretty much what you search for every week when you search for college football is okay. What games are getting canceled? It's like, you can't even look, you can't even um, go into a Saturday saying, okay, I'm looking forward to this game, but because it could end up being canceled, like case in point, um, we all know us, all us Oregon fans here um, always look forward to the game against the Huskies every year. And um, that game obviously never happened due to COVID. So that's the number one thing that um,
0: that
1: it's the biggest thing um, about the college football season this year is just how weird it is. You're going to have conference champions crowned that played when they played uneven amount of games. I mean, just look at the standings of any league. You'll see one team with like seven games and another team with four games. Just, just the, Just something not right, just something off balance about this year. And then the side story going to future years is that you truly see how the college football playoff committee is going to pick their teams. And I'm convinced that there is no chance. And this this is a storyline that will come out of this year is I'm fully convinced there's no chance a non power five team has. Of getting into oh, the college yeah. football playoffs. Oh, oh, without a doubt. I think that was truly put into play this year. Like before this year, I thought there was a sliver of the ch- chance it could happen, but after this year, you could go undefeated. You could schedule non. Co- you could schedule competent non-conference games. You ain't making the playoffs if you're not a power five team.
0: No, I mean there's too much power and too much money consolidated within those those member institutions in the power five to to uh, to even. I mean, entertain the thought of letting somebody in the outside in for one second. They're just—they're too greedy, and the, the money's theirs. Let me ask you oh, this. Yeah. Um, and I know that we've had all kinds of folks, and, I've, and it's been interesting to watch. You know, because I know that I text you the morning a lot. You text me. You watch the you know the the early morning shows. How they have wavered. How right? I guess you were an advocate. Strongly of they should have waited. So should the powers yeah. of be re- waited was it a mistake to move forward with this season.
1: Um, in you know what? It's about the money, and they're gonna get their paycheck. Um, at the end of the day. Um, now if you look at you want to have you don't want to risk having a champion that's didn't that's not full of integrity. All right, you don't want to risk the integrity of the champion. All right. You want there to be some sort of even playing field. All right. Or to know they went through a similar route that they would have gone through. I mean, maybe a little different, but not dramatically different. And I mean, I'll I'll say if that's the barometer you're going to use, then it was fine to go forward because I feel that there's three teams. I feel if they won the national title, I would give it to them as if it was any other year because they played. Around the same amount of games they would have played. And when you consider they loaded up their conference schedules this year, they played a similar schedule they would have played. I'm talking about Bama, Notre Dame, and Clemson. If those three win it, I would so I don't, I would say the integrity of the champions not compromised. So that but is- just the look, just the PR look, I don't think they should have gone forward with the season. Um, because just the look, and I think Coach K kind of mentioned this in his press conference. Um, at the end of the day, these are college kids. They're supposed to be student athletes with the emphasis being on student. And I just feel like it's just a big, greedy money grab that they went forward. Now, the pros, I have no problem with. That's a completely different story. They're getting paid. But I just think it's a bad look to have, in theory, amateurs. And, yeah, we've talked for years about that. I know it's kind of a <laughs> I, I'm kind of saying that in quotes right now. But yeah. I don't think they should have gone forward. But having said that, as a fan as someone who needs something to do on Saturdays, I definitely don't mind having the games to watch.
0: No doubt, no doubt. So you brought up an interesting thing when you when you mentioned um, you know, Bama, Clemson, Notre Dame, just to name a few. In your opinion, who has handled this situation playing through a pandemic sailing, and who has dropped the ball, in your opinion?
1: Well, okay, the the Pac-12 and the Big Ten dropped the ball, um, just as conferences in general. Um, once they made their decisions, they should have stuck with them. I feel, or they should have made, or they should have done what the other three conferences did, and started right away. But I mean, because for me, I feel like, um, and then on top of that, once the Big Ten got started, man, that was the conference that. When you look at how many games they played compared to the other conferences, they're they're the comp they had like two or three games canceled every week, it seemed. Even more. And same with the Pac 12 for that matter. Um, so I feel like those conferences really dropped the ball. Now, the SEC as a conference, I can't really say did it well, but I would say they've done it better than maybe they may I mean it, it doesn't match with the stereotype that you have of certain regions, but I would say the SEC seemed to be do a better job actually at at least making sure all their games were played eventually. Um I look at Bama and they did not have one single game cancelled throughout the whole scene throughout the whole season. Oh
0: it's amazing. Which I
1: feel like is impressive itself. They had their coach I mean their coach got COVID. Right. They managed and had to miss the Auburn game. But um but they see they. I mean, I think they're a. I mean, I think this sh- kind of showed that they are a first-class football program because they went through the whole year without having a game canceled. So, um, so I would say they handled it good too. And I believe the SEC will end up playing their whole schedule. Now there were postponements, but they definitely had plans put in place to make sure their rigid, schedule got uh, Definitely,
0: uh, uh, in terms of. The, the tough stance that the uh, Pac-10 and Pac-12, tw- I mean, the, the Big Ten and Pac-12 took or tried to, which, which brings me to my next question, actually. So let's talk a little bit about the Big Ten and, and more specifically, because we're in this region, the Pac-12, in terms oh. of leadership. Do you think both of these conferences might want to, like, make a change at the top based on what a cluster, or you know what, this has been? <laughs>
1: Well, you know what? Uh, the easy one, okay. Big 10, you have to go back to. Pac-12, definitely. Um, Larry Scott, I mean, Larry, I can't think of a commissioner that I feel is more inept in his job that Larry Scott is. And I know that's a strong statement. But I can't think
0: of one in my I, lifetime.
1: Because, and I'm, talk, I'm not just talking about college conferences. I'm talking about if you include professional sports yeah. commissioners.
0: Yeah. In my uh, life, like he, he, he's at the top.
1: Oh yeah. He's at the top. I mean, hockey fans complain about Gary Bettman all the time, but I feel Gary Bettman's like a goat commissioner compared to Larry Scott. Because when I look at just went, look when he took over back in 2009, 2010. All right. That failed realignment. He tried to put together without combining the big 12 and Pac. Oh, yeah. And at the time and the fact that that all fell in his face. And then when after the dominoes of conference realignment happened, I think he started the process and that I could argue his conference in terms of like what they added compared to what other conferences added got the short end of the stick. Not that Utah and Colorado aren't great markets, but when I see it, what other conferences did, I mean, that just seemed like a very weak grab comparatively speaking and then when i look at the tv deal the fact that the pac-12 network has been around for almost a decade now and it still doesn't have a package with direct tv there's nothing on it i mean, I mean they're not
0: showing any of the football games yeah you know the basketball games you are some weird hour i it's. i mean why does it even exist it's kind of like that uh You know that that uh, game that the network the Blazers are on, uh, you know whatever it's called, that Comcast Northwest. Northwest. Exactly. It's like why does it even exist?
1: Oh, I know. And then I look at the revenue of the conference. Um, When I look at the revenue of the conference, um, I um, it's 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 staggering. I mean, it's staggering to think that the Big Twelve was on the verge of extinction just seven, eight years ago, but now they're a higher up in the pecking order than the pac 12 when they were, Indeed. they were one Texas or one Oklahoma jumping ship from being extinct. And they're now higher on the pecking order in revenue and quality of teams than the pac 12 is. And then I even look at, then the other aspect of Larry Scott, that's just the moves he made, but the money he's costing the conference, the, Deal to get the headquarters in San Francisco with the rent that they have. It's like, are you even thinking about finances at this time? I mean, that's just, (coughs) that made no sense. Now, if I had to say there was one positive I could think of is that he got Vegas into the, he made Vegas kind of like a hub for like stuff like the Pac-12 tournament and in basketball and now when, I mean, granted, the, the the inaugural Pac-12 championship game in Vegas was supposed to be this year. They've, obviously, that got that's getting pushed back to the future. But other than that, I really don't see much positives he's done. Right. Let's
0: talk um, about that real quick here. Um, you know, obviously, you being the huge Duck fan that you are and, you know, the way that you follow things – Quite the hubbub going on with this Pac-12 championship. I know folks in Boulder are screaming bloody murder. Uh, <laughs> yes. We talked a little bit about this you know, jokingly about the whole conspira- conspiracy angle. Yes. Yes. What do you make of this whole mess that is this championship?
1: Oh, man. I mean, first of all, okay, it's always been clear that the winner of the North Plays the winner of the South in the Pac-12 Championship, and I mean there, and there are examples going to other conferences that where the winner where one division's weaker than the other, so you get weird matchups. But man, for Oregon to be playing in the Pac-12 Championship game after two brutal losses, um,
0: has been three. It, I
1: mean, I guess it's just 2020. Now, <laughs> it's man, 2020, it's been- isn't it? They technically were the second place team in the pack 12. Now I could see duck fans also taking the argument that, well, if Washington hadn't gone COVID, we would have played them last Saturday and we would have beat them and we would have rightfully won the North anyways, but we just didn't get to play that game. Um, so I could see duck fans coming at it from that point of view, but I mean, it's just a mess. I mean, it's hard. It, I mean, it would be hard to make anything of winning the Pac-12 this year when you look how much of a, I mean, a cluster fudge it has been, um, just throughout. But I mean, I'll definitely watch that game. I mean, USC or and amazingly, USC's never played Oregon in the Pac-12 championship.
0: I know it is very amazing
1: because you would think that when this whole when the divisions got set up, that was a matchup you saw on like a at least a biannual basis, but we're like seven, eight years into the game. And it took the weirdest set of circumstances for it to happen. But I mean, it says a lot. I mean, neutrally though, I definitely agree with um, Oregon being in the game over Colorado because Colorado did lose um, last week. And I feel like you've all, you've always set the precedent of, it's a north versus a south game. Now, if Colorado and USC had both been undefeated, I might say differently, but at this point, I feel like that was the right choice if you had to put a team in. And Oregon was clearly the second place team. It would be like if a team was ineligible to play for a san- to play in the game because of sanctions or whatever, you would always go to the second place team in that scenario. Sure.
0: And with this being 2020 as we, you know, continue to point out and, and there has been a continual moving of the goalposts. I mean, let, oh, yes. and the, the Pac-12, obviously losing a lot of prestige in uh, the national language. You can just watch, you know, the, the fine bombs and Heather Dinich's and all those folks on get oh, up yes. just their you know, laugh at the conference. It's almost as I was saying to you yesterday Having you have to have Oregon, or they're just the same face, just to <laughs> yes. legitimize the you know. There's the,
1: a choice between Oregon and Colorado.
0: Okay? Yeah, right. There is no choice. As, as much as I hate, you know, you know, I'm, I give them, those folks in Boulder some props for what they've done over the couple of years from coming becoming a joke to actually. They're a tough out, but that said, nobody wants to see them on conference no. on, on conference championship Saturday. They want to see the Ducks? I mean, yes. they,
1: and here's the thing. At first, I thought there was a part of a reason you would do that to give USC an outside shot at making the playoff in case because I figure, OK, whatever happened with Oregon the last two weeks, everyone knows the players they have are more talented than any team in the conference. Whether or not they have put it together with the current group, that's something that, you know what, we'll just have to wait a few years but in turn if you go by scouting um rivals um any of those recruiting networks we clearly have at least on paper should be the talent most talented team in the pac 12 and then I feel like the conference may have said okay we give USC this game and maybe they have an outside shot at the playoff if they win but after today's revealing of the rankings I I don't think even with upsets, that they're going to have a chance to get oh, it
0: tonight. Oh, I, I agree. Playoff. Well, you know, it's kind of interesting. Before I s- shift gears here and talk a little college hoops w- with you, um, I thought it was interesting, and I brought this – I'm bringing this up in, in my normal segment about this, you know, the whole rumor with, with Gus Mazon being fired at Auburn. Oh, Crystal Ball's name has come up, and I just thought that was really funny because – at the, when, when you when you are in Eugene, one of our favorite bars that we hang out at downtown, yes. I was into a, a, a great discussion with a Buckeye fan, I'm pretty sure by telling you yeah, the Buckeyes I who, who I'm talking about. about. And he got all up in my grill when I talked about the things you and I have mentioned over the years about not being all in on crystal balling. And he was really appalled that I would even bring it up and not your typical duck excuses, and I'm hearing this from other folks as well. I mean, there's there's all these excuses built into, well, this is a young team and people that, and the opt outs, and I'm thinking, well, didn't everybody else have that sort of thing? Because you know, you know, not to get too deep into this, but my point about it is, that I brought this up because I felt this being a weird 2020 year that this is a championship up for grabs. And how Oregon has responded has been pretty disappointing, if not uh, shocking. Yes.
1: Oh, yes, for sure. And, I mean, here's the thing. Um, No matter what I texted with you, I I by no means think that Mario Cristobal should lose his job. Likewise. Likewise. This year. And having said that, like I've said, um... He's still going to – I mean, signing day is tomorrow, I believe. Early signing day starts Mm -hmm. tomorrow for college football. He's going to have another top five recruiting class. So the position I would have – I would have the same position even if we were sitting here at 0 and 5 right now, that as long as he could recruit, as long as he could bring top five, top ten recruiting classes, um, you can't get rid of him. no you you can't no you you have an a plus code right and you
0: can be but you can be very disappointed and call it out and that's what i'm really disappointed about because i say
1: this because i look at the whole not just pac-12 whole college football the amount of teams that have had dealt with covid outbreaks you have um ohio state played a game without 25 players and still crushed (sighs) michigan state two weeks ago right um you had a game I believe where um, you had you've had games where pl- teams have played without 15 20 players without 30 players I could think of. I can't think of a game off the to my top of my head but there was an well, exactly team.
0: exactly I'm sure I mean plenty of evidence and that's the point I guess that I was making when I was having this conversation at one of our favorite establishments was that it's hard to convince me. With, even with guys like Sewell opting out and other people, yeah. that the talent um, gap between Oregon and the rest of the conference. I mean, Oregon State, given you know the little shanty shack they have set up up there in Corvallis, no distant Bieber fans, sorry, Andy. Yes, I know. But, I know. But, but that Jefferson guy running like he's the second coming up Gail Sayers, are you kidding me? Oh, I know. Well,
1: and we have, and I just go back to, I go back to his first game. I mean, yep. I have some flaws. I have some question marks about him as a game coach. Now, the way he recruits, I'm confident that he get if you give him the right if you give him the right assistance around him, he might be able to turn us into the West Coast Bama or the West Coast Ohio State. So, I'm not giving up hope that that could happen. When you look at the raw talent he could bring in, but he does have some issues either with like game planning or with motivation. Motivation, I, mean, I, I would don't say, know what it's at, Yeah, the I don't like and respect
0: they do, but then again, I look at some of them like, like uh, Theo and where he's supposed to be a game changer, and at times. Yes, he does look like he can be on a Chase Young level. And the other times, I'm like going, what is this dude doing? Who's coaching him?
1: Oh, I thought the same. And I, I we've texted back and forth about this many times. I thought the same thing about Herbert, especially watching him play for the Chargers this year. Oh, yeah. I mean, no, no doubt. I, there were times last year, really in the last two years where Cristobal was the full-time head coach, where I'm thinking, why are you just power running it with – you got this quarterback who's an NFL quarterback, basically, has arm, has accuracy. Why are you just doing all these short conservative routes? Why aren't you letting him use his leg, doing more plays where he could roll out, use his legs? Because he's athletic, too. So, I mean, I feel like at least as a college quarterback, Herbert never reached the potential that he could have had that, he may have if he went to a different setup. Right.
0: Well, I, you know, we've talked about this over and over. I brought it up on this podcast over and over. Day one, I mean, I was sitting there gushing at looking at this guy like going, oh, wow, this, this he's the prototype. And I remember getting into an argument with somebody who was a, a hardcore Marcus Mariota lover. And I'm like saying, no, th- I mean, Marcus works well with Oregon system. This guy run a pro office. In fact, when the whole thing about Helfridge, Willie, blah, 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 I it was back then you and I were talking about how Oregon should hire a coach, get rid of this Mickey Mouse uh, chip office, and install a pro office, and they would have had a national championship. I mean, that's a whole oh. other conversation, obviously. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I just, you know, I, I saw from day one with Herbert, where this guy's got not only the the, the 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 right size, he's got wills, he's got brains, and he's got the arm. And watching him wrap in cellophane after he got hurt up in Berkeley, yeah, it, it, it was really frustrating.
1: Oh, it was frustrating because you didn't see them unleash the fool Herbert until I would say the Pac-12 championship game yes. against Utah last year. Yes, but. With me, I had a different reaction than most Duck fans because as I'm watching that game, I'm just thinking, okay, why didn't we do this all year? Or more importantly, why didn't we do this against Arizona State when we were going against, and I say this like facetiously, a Lamar Jackson part two. <laughs> I right. mean, our defense made him look like Lamar yeah. Jackson part two. But why didn't we unleash him in those situations, the Auburn game, the Arizona State game? games that could have got us to the playoff. That's all I was thinking. Oh, absolutely. I
0: just feel that that's why he's not getting a pass from me, and I'll argue with anybody in this town, because I look at the, the talent advantage Oregon has, especially on the West Coast, and they're coming up way short. As, as I and I s- feel
1: that, too. And here's the thing. I don't feel like compared to other, we've, We haven't had a COVID outbreak on our team. And I think we're one of maybe three or four teams that hasn't been responsible in the conference mm-hmm. that hasn't been responsible for a game being canceled. No, no we had like the, we got a game canceled, but we haven't been positive. Yeah, we game
0: had the can- scare with the five to eight guys that ended up being false, being you know. false positive, yes. yes. In, indeed. And then it's been pretty smooth sailing. They've done a good job considering in town here, that's a whole other discussion that we'll probably have once we're done talking. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, anyway, let me let, let, me, let, let me flip this over and, and talk a little basketball before right, before getting out of here. So, you know, you brought up Coach K, which was really interesting. And I see that uh, the little the ten of teddies had having with the Alabama coach who came out and said, would he be saying that if they didn't have the early season losses, which is a great question. But that's... that's a great question. Yeah. But that said, with, with Coach K's comments, and especially... Knowing that we could extend things, should we be playing basketball right now?
1: I'm gonna say no, and I'm gonna say no because I look. I'm not looking at things from okay. I want to. It's it's a Saturday in January. There's no football. It's the bye week between the Super Bowl. I want college basketball on, which I will easily watch as long as the games are on. But no, we shouldn't. And this is why we shouldn't. First of all. I feel like there's a difference between professionals and amateurs. Okay. Indeed. I don't feel like I feel like the optics of asking amateur athletes um, to play during a global pandemic to put them under restrictions, especially when in theory they're <clears> supposed <throat> to be students in school, is a very bad look. And on top of that, um, when you're when I'm seeing outbreaks on certain teams like what's happening with gonzaga um i mean just talk going back to the integrity of a champion i mean with no real non-conference slates. i mean how do you even a 64 team tournament bracket is gonna look so flawed this year even if you get to that if you get to that point and i also feel like if you know you're right around the corner from a vaccine all right You could probably in a couple months, two or three months, be able to do this safely. And for one year, you have May madness instead of March madness, especially knowing how much revenue the tournament brings. If you could pull that off with 25 to 50% capacity, then I don't see why you don't go that route, knowing that another two months is not long to wait. But I mean, but regardless, I just don't think having amateur. Students play during a global pandemic is very, is very good optic. No, right I now.
0: agree. I agree. And on top of that, that being a bad optic, I think from a logistical standpoint, you know, where you have, you know, obviously, like I know in my conference, I was like watching Northridge and Stanford, it was a good game today, by the way. But, um, you know, we have Hawaii in our conference, right? Oh, God. And, Hawaii. And you, and so, Hawaii having to make trips between the mainland and the, and the island and all the quarantines and just even all these conferences, even within conference that, you know, especially out west with the different states and the different rules, especially if mm-hmm. you look at what's going on, you know, in Santa Clara where your 49ers are playing. Oh, yeah. Right. And, and we know that here in Oregon, you know, as Lane County as Kate the Great just announced, we're still you know, in extreme categories. Who knows yes. whether or not she could shut down games at Matthew Knight. Who
1: knows? Yes. Oh, and also just traveling, having kids in planes, having that. okay, like, I mean, I just feel, I mean, one thing going back, that's bad off I feel like the fact that Stanford's football team basically spent the last two weeks in the Pacific Northwest mm-hmm. is just, Insane itself, and that's stuff that just shouldn't be happening under any circumstance when they're supposed to be going to class. They're supposed, I mean, I know everything's online now, but I just think to ask them to ho- be holed up in a hotel in hotel rooms is just not fair to ask if they're in theory not getting compensated.
0: Totally, oh, yeah, it, it, it's it's. What, you know, I don't like to get into the whole Mar- Marvin Miller sounding about the whole definition of exploitation, yes. <laughs> but, it, it, you know, being realistic about it, and yes, indeed, you know, when you talk about an institution like University of Oregon, and I know somebody was whining to me, I was out for drinks, about, you know, the, that, the glass building and the, all the wonderful things the athletes have over student-athletes. <laughs> That is very yeah. true, and it's sort of like I get, I, I, I get conflicted when, when I talk about, yeah, they're getting screwed over, but are they? Because you and I have been on the other side of the equation being poor students with no resources, with no tutors. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, oh, I know what you mean. Yeah, right. So speaking of those ducks, um, you know, what about these? what about your ducks? Can Dana make another deep run in a year turned upside down by COVID?
1: Well, la- okay. Last year was disappointing. I got to start with that. That We didn't get a tournament because mm-hmm. Dana seemed to have – it was a typical Dana team last year. Um, they, they got better towards the end, and by the end of the year, they were playing like a top five team in the country before COVID shut everything down um Pritchard I believe was the first duck to make the first team all-American last year mm-hmm. believe uh, ever which is crazy now going into this year there is some reloading to do and I saw a little bit of their Washington game and eh, you know what looked a little shaky they ended up coming up with the victory but I mean I just trust Dana really because mm-hmm. I just think of his years as a coach we always seem to get better as the years. I mean, in the nine, 10, how long has he been mad? Has it been like nine, 10 years yep. now that he's been? It there? has been that long. It's been that long. I can only think of one year where you could say of the nine or 10 that you could say, okay, they underachieved compared to their preseason expectation and they've overachieved at least five or six of those years that, he's been at their helm. So, I have confidence that Dana could make that Dana will make another run that will get something going. I mean, the Missouri loss looked bad at the time, but when you consider Missouri just beat the number 4 team in the country um oh, serious business 3 days ago, mm-hmm. that loss doesn't even look that bad right now.
0: No, it doesn't. So, here's another f- so here, here, here. Cause it was a question I forgot, but before I get away from basketball, I got one more. So we talked okay. about Dana, but the word on the street I'm getting, and I don't, I mean, I'm watching this more out of the corner of my eye, but as we all know, the we talked about the men's disappointment, the bigger disappointment obviously was the lovely Sabrina and Escu not getting a chance. Oh. But I'm hearing this team is even better than they had last year and may be able to, to to complete what the team last year wasn't able to get a chance to do.
1: Oh, really? I mean, that's I mean, I know they just had a uh, very convincing win over Oregon State. A, a very good um,
0: Oregon State team.
1: A very good Oregon State team. I know they're all new. I mean, I mean, I heard good things about the recruiting class coming in to um, Eugene this year. And you know what? If, if we could become like the West Coast UConn, um, you know what? That would be something that would be pretty cool, especially when I see how the fans in Eugene have – real the fans in Eugene – I mean, maybe you could comment on that, but I almost think Sabrina, like in the plesadon of Oregon athletes in all sports, I almost think she and Marcus are probably one-two all-time.
0: Sure, uh, you're, you're gonna have to say it. I know that across the street from me, before before the the the, the before she became a teenager, it was probably more interested in being cool. The little girl, I'd see her out there for hours shooting baskets, perfecting her little Sabrina thing. And I'm just like, going, wow, that's what an effect that is. You know, because obviously we always talk about advances in in, in women's sports, but you oh, know. Actually, being able to see it in your town, Mike Gordon. Look oh, I'm at sure. It. And
1: oh, yeah, and this year's team. I mean, if the cl- I mean, I know, um, UConn has had a class that came in as freshmen. I believe it was the Brianna. Uh, I, I got, I don't want to be wrong. I believe it was the Brianna Stewart class mm-hmm. that had that they won four they won all four years. She was there basically. Right. And it was just a group that came in as a, fr- as freshmen and. Was basically the starting lineup for four years. Now they never lost the game, which isn't going to happen with the ducks because they play in the Pac 12, <laughs> not in the American athletic conference. Right. But um, I believe, but I've heard hyped up things about this class. That was comparative to the one that um, Gino got down in a uh, stores or On the East Coast Mm -hmm. and stores, so
0: yeah, I've been hearing some good things and watching them out of the corner of my eye. They've you know got this—I forget what her name is—but like like Sabrina, incredible shot. Uh, Got a couple of girls on this team that are really good. That's right up your alley in terms of your preference. I'll just leave it at that. I know what you mean. Yeah, that. I was like, going, "Wow, maybe, maybe we got fine girls on this team." All right, well, folks. Well, here's the
1: you... thing. <laughs> I be to just give you an indication of how I didn't say um, that, but I did. <laughs> to give you an indication, though, of how big Oregon women's is, guys. The pack, literally, the week before everything shut down, um, the Pac-12 tournament was here in Vegas. The women's Pac-12 women's tournament was here in Vegas, mm-hmm. and. It was played at Mandalay Bay, so smaller arena. But all the Oregon games were sold out, basically. Like, of the 12 teams in the Pac-12, Oregon fans were 80 90% of the total fans that went to the women's tournament. And then I asked for them. I, I went by the merchandise booth, and they told me all the Oregon merchandise was sold out after the first day. Oh, rock stars. Yeah. So... I mean, and everyone was talking about how they were going to win the national championship after that tournament. Little did we know in the next four or five days, everything would change.
0: That's oh, so, I mean,
1: not just with Oregon basketball, but women's basketball. Whoa, yeah, you know, everything it's crazy, in the world.
0: right? I mean, when you just think that they got their chance taken from them, and then the opportunity for Sabrina to be the showcase for the program. She twists her ankle in the, in in her second game, you know, in New York and we don't get to see her rookie season. So it's just, I mean, Oh,
1: I know. know, We'll see what she, I mean, I still, she, she was a once in a generation college. Oh, absolutely. So we definitely got to see how she could, um, could take that going into the pros. And, Keep in mind, just four years ago, before the Sabrina class, Oregon was consistently a bottom feeder. They were in the joke. Well, for women's stuff, they were a joke. So- we have
0: to go back to Jody Runge in, in terms of Oregon being because you know obviously they were a powerhouse when Jody Rungi was there, and they had Jenny Moe and all those folks. Yeah. And then they completely went off the, the the radar for almost a decade and a
1: half. Oh yeah, they did. They even brought Paul Westhead in. And right they couldn't even research. Um, uh, give a, the program a bump, really.
0: Indeed. So, I got to back. So, before I let you go, I got to backtrack because I completely spaced when we got, so we're, we're talking about so many cool things. Here as why well. you love them. Like we're, <laughs> I was saying earlier, we're going to time box this one. Nah, not <laughs> yes, be time yes, box it, talking about these things. But I need to know what is your forecast for the college football playoff and who do you see in the nanny?
1: Okay, this is what I'm going to do. Okay, this is what I predict will happen. I predict that Clemson will beat Notre Dame this weekend, okay? They got a healthy Trevor, and, and they're going to win. But And I feel Bama will win. I feel Ohio State will win. So I'm not going to go out of the box on this predi- prediction because I flat out don't think it's going to happen any other way. I'm going to have – I'm going to say it's going to be Bama, Notre Dame. I feel it's going to be B- Bama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Ohio State in that order. And I predict that the committee, due to Ohio State only having six games, will keep Ohio State at four, despite the fact that Notre Dame's coming off a loss. So I basically believe that we're going to get Notre Dame-Clemson two games in a row. Um, and I believe Clemson will win both games. And I believe Bama will beat Ohio State. And you know what? As boring as it. Appears to be getting it, feels that it's an annual thing, somewhat in the college football playoff. We're gonna get Bama Clemson once again in the national championship game. Another Nick hey. versus Dabo matchup. And I feel this time, unlike the previous two times they played, Nick will get his revenge and we will have roll tied again. For what I believe will be Nick Saban's sixth national title at the school.
0: Yes, indeed, indeed, indeed. So, okay, I, we like that. We like that um, because, yeah, when I, when I look at Alabama, and as you pointed out, not only have they been able to get through their season, you know, other than you know, Saint Nick having his issues, they've had a few people that you know have had to be set aside, but in general, no major impacts, and no. they. Look, they looked average in the beginning, but the last seven or eight weeks, they are just a steamroller.
1: Oh, their offense! I mean, they've become an offensive powerhouse. Yes. Um. So, I mean, Mac Jones looks like he's gonna walk to the Heisman. I feel.
0: Um. It's hard for me to c- come up with somebody. Given all the people who could have challenged him opting out and looking after their best interests, yeah. I'm
1: I'm looking at that, Trevor had to miss those three games, had to miss two or three games. I think took away any real competition that would have been there with Mac,
0: absolutely. Because, um, the uh, the the sports world definitely has a cupid arrow for for Trevor, you know. they do. Yeah, the man they love do. for New the York ma- is gonna. I
1: mean, <laughs> yeah, New York's gonna probably love him next year.
0: I, I I would I would think so, right? If he doesn't get too cute and sort of embraces the moment in terms of yeah, I could be the one that turns the Jets around. Boy, you t- Madison Avenue's already there. Are oh. they're already looking at the, the at their balance sheet?
1: Oh, I I'm definitely sure. And for the record, if Bama wins, I don't think there should be an asterisk by that championship because. I feel like they've played a route. Uh, I feel like the route that got them to that title is not any easier than it would have been in a normal year. It's probably
0: even more difficult. That's why there can't be really any asterisks to COVID championships when you consider all the things that these, the college or pro that these uh, athletes are having to endure.
1: Oh, the fact that the SEC went to a 10 game schedule this year and Bama's actually played all 10 of those games and will have played in the SEC championship. I mean, now granted, they could lose next week and still win the and still make the playoff, I feel. So it's not even like a do or die game for them, but if you assume they go 10 and 0 in the conference, win the SEC championship against the quality Florida team. Now granted they had kind of a hiccup last week. But and they did. <laughs> still a quality team. Yeah. And then you win two get then you win two playoff games against quality opponents, and then whoever wins the playoff is going to have to beat two quality teams. Yes. To make the to win the playoff. So I mean that alone. Ohio State's the one team I might put a little bit of an asterisk by if they were to win, simply because of playing a six game schedule going into the playoff, but. Mm-hmm. I mean, the other three teams definitely deserve it. Just yeah, much. and
0: Ohio State, if they can ball out on the field against these teams, I probably wouldn't even put an asterisk there, right? It, oh, yeah. it will look as – the optics will be kind of shaky given, you know, the conference and, as I said, moving the goalposts as opposed oh, yeah. to like definitely just – Definitely
1: changing the rules yeah. so they could play in the championship game, yes.
0: Right, it's bad look, but that said, they can redeem themselves on the field, no doubt.
1: Oh, they could, and if you have to beat Bama, and if you if you beat Bama and Clemson, the two premier teams of the last half decade yeah. in a row, I mean, especially when both of them have elite quarterback play right now, um, you definitely. I mean, I'm not sure I would put an asterisk by Yeah, them. I, 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 yeah,
0: I just think. I mean, obviously. It's the kind of stuff people talk about in bars, but I think if we're being really honest and rational, and realizing that everybody has to go through something during this, you know, this oh, this pandemic season.
1: Oh yes. I mean, any asterisk talk just gets me um, fired up when the competi- when you ju- when you don't take into context the route that it took to get to the champ. Heck, the Laker want asterisk talk. Fires me up. Oh, yeah. Because and, their route was a hundred, If anything, the pandemic made their route a hundred times harder for well, sure. the championship Sure. Because I mean, than- they were rolling before the pandemic. Right. Came. You look at
0: an example, I know that we hear this from a certain friend of ours who's a Blazer fan who oh, claims God. it was all rigged and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, how is it rigged? It, you would have even had Nurkic. You would have had all You actually got your team healthy for the first time in what? A year and a half? Two yes. years? <laughs> I know.
1: Oh, God. The, the Asher stock for the Lakers makes me mad. Heck, the Dodgers had a much tougher route, I feel. Oh, I, mean, I, I, I don't, don't think Because you think, about, you think about what the Dodgers were put through. That when, First of all, they're perennially in the playoffs mm-hmm. every year. All right? So So, if anything, they got put into an expanded playoff, which makes it harder if you're a top team. They were forced to play a best-of-three series to start the playoff. And in baseball, in a best-of-three, anything could happen. For well, sure. But and, and I didn't let them stop them. And it wasn't – I that they had yeah. to play seven games in seven days. Yeah, and, they, and it
0: wasn't Basically. like they went through, you know, cheese, right? the Cheetos. right? You have, you know, obviously Milwaukee, whatever, but a very good San Diego – Very good Atlanta. Very good Atlanta team.
1: That's that Atlanta team a lot of people feel is like gonna be a team to be reckoned with for years to come. It's on top of us, obviously. Oh right. But I mean yes, the 60 and here's the thing. I would say there's an asterisk if we were a team that consistently never made the playoffs, and then we kind of had a 60 game cruise. Maybe similar to, like, how the Marlins had this year. Right. But knowing we had won the division seven years in a row, um, the 60 games wasn't something that just got us into yeah, the playoffs. Right. It's more look-
0: fluky that we that we haven't won all these years, teams getting hot in a particular series. But anyway. Yes. We, we, Anyways, we,
1: yeah, we got off topic.
0: Yeah, we are got off topic. We'll have so to, yeah, like, call up Ben C to straight, uh, straighten this up here. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I just got to lash out on some asterisk.
0: <laughs> no, exactly. No, it's very, very helpful, and it's good to have that conversation. But let's wrap this up, and oh yeah, um, for sure, we will have you back at uh, mid-season to review where we are as far as the NBA. Probably talk a little bit from college as well. All Oh, for sure, for sure. Well, we will enjoy your evening, and back we'll talk to you on the other side after I stop this. All right, no problem. Perfect. welcome back boom talk studios fox trotting in a foxhole episode 28 season 1 a lot of cool stuff going on here Thank you, Alec. He'll be back a little bit later. It's always great talking to him. Definitely missed not having him in town and the great conversations we have over beers and looking at some of the wonderful sights and wonderful Eugene. Spurs and Liverpool are still 1-1. PSG, Lorient, 0-0. A lot of great opportunities, but nobody can find the net. Talk a little PSG here in a moment. Let's go to one of my favorite subjects. What's new in the world of sports or something you should probably know? Well, following in the footsteps of the Washington football team, Cleveland Indians or the Cleveland Baseball Club has announced they're going to drop the Indians nickname after the 2021 season. Going to go through this upcoming season and then at some point, I know some folks are wanting to be nostalgic and going with the spiders like they were in the late uh, 19th century. Well, we talked a lot about this earlier on, on these podcasts, and no need to get too deep right now. It's bound to happen. I said it early in the summer that when the Washington football team dropped the Redskins nickname, we'd see a lot more of these professional and even college teams reconsider. It just makes it makes too much sense. And I know in the case of Washington, people, ooh, the football team. Who cares about soccer, man? Well, point being, soccer is the most popular sport in the world. Like the team I'm watching, which is my favorite, the Paris Saint-Germain Football Club. Does anybody really know them by that? It almost PSG or Paris, just like Washington. It's not that big of a deal, people. I guess if you're some fan fanboy or you're in some, you know, cosplay fuck situation and you want to have a cool, like, hey, I'm dressed up as, you know, Red Wolf. whatever the case, or red tail, right? I just get the feeling that people that, in the case of the Washington football team, and I'm sure the same will be with Cleveland, It could be an opportunity for us to, like, you know, get in character and all that stuff. Drop all that nonsense. I'm not saying nicknames are bad. There's a lot of cool ones out there. But the ones that, you know, might be derogatory, stop naming them after people, especially a race of people. I've got lots of uh, views that can go either way on this, being a fan of Washington. But, you know, the time has come. We're moving towards a better day in terms of addressing issues of race, social injustice. This is just one step in that direction. I mean, that's, you could say snowflake this and we're keeping in, but just get on the right side of history. It's not the hill to die on, as I've said so many times before. Plenty of other things you can be pissed about. Be mad about them taking live PD off the air. But don't get mad about a team dropping a nickname, you know, that's, right, that's associated with a whole race of people. Anyway. So what else is going on in baseball? Well, I know that the Mets lured catcher James McCain away from the White Sox in a nice four-year deal. To see that the Mets, you know, when Cohen took the team over, told you he's going to make moves. He's tired of the Mets being a non factor in the baseball landscape. Uh, and this just happened today. You know, we're always talking about the ticker and things being updated. And when I was doing my final uh, outline for what was going to be in this episode, this came down and this actually kind of curious to see how this all fleshes out. So, Major League Baseball has reclassified the Negro Leagues as Major League and will count the statistics and records of its 3,400 players as part of MLB history. So, does that, I mean, given how incomplete Negro League statistics are, I'm going to be curious to see how they do, right? Is it going to be accurate? Is it going to be a projection? I mean, mind you, I think it's fantastic to give these guys recognition, I'm just wondering, is that going to alter, you know, because baseball is the game of numbers. And numbers like 714, 762, right, 2278, uh, 4192, right. Those numbers mean something. And I'm wondering, you know, and not say, once again, I think it's a really fantastic thing. I just wonder how that's all going to look. It's very fascinating and very exciting. Glad to see Major League Baseball take that step forward. Indeed. UFC 256. Big fight over the weekend. Uh is Figueroa and Brandon Moreno. Fought to a spectacular draw in the flyweight title bout in Vegas. Uh, folks were saying it was one of, the, you know, one of the best fights they've ever seen. In fact, I just saw Dana White you know, come on, I believe it was first uh, take or one of the, or get up, one of the two, and said that expect a rematch in 2021, that kind of excitement. I didn't see it. Uh, in particular, I know a couple of my friends, you know, Dave Williams, who's on the show, he was giving high praise to it. Sounds like it was a really fantastic thing. Quick sidebar. What is, what is Killian Mbappe doing with blue hair? Oh, boy. <laughs> you know, I I, I kind of saw that unconsciously before, but uh, <laughs> wow. Anyways, yeah, a lot of fireworks there. Great fight. Um, definitely send me a, a line, at gmail.com. Tell me what you thought about it. Definitely will watch the rematch based on all the hype that I've been hearing so far this week. And we also have the U.S. Women's Open, golf, finally got its way, and AK Limbs minus three is good enough to take the honors. This was held down at Houston. weather got in the way, and so that extended to Monday, but congratulations are in order. Job well done. And yeah, I thought this is funny, you know. And like, uh, Right, sometimes, you, something you should probably know, This is not necessarily it. I I find it fascinating what people will do just to, like, get a click or be able to add some filler to the ticker. But guess what we found out? CR7, yeah, that man, Mr. Ronaldo, he prefers to watch UFC over watching soccer. Did we need to know that? Probably not, but I do find that fascinating. And then again, I don't find it so fascinating because... Well gee, the guy's probably been playing soccer or slash football proper since he was two or three. And is probably outside of doing his craft, you know, for a living X amount of times a week, he's probably has film, And I'm sure that he probably likes the NBA and other things above having to watch uh let's say Levante and you know, Real Buddy We die. Right. All right, let's flip over to the NBA beat here. A lot going on here. We're getting closer to the regular season. We will be talking with Alec uh, once again in in the next segment about this. But here's a little bit of a presser to get us going. Oh, my. I see that Lorient has a red card. Now they are down to 10 men, and Kylian Mbappe is about to take a penalty. My, oh, my, oh, my. He's been kind of in a slump lately. But we'll get to that when we start talking about the beautiful game. It's just, you know, I've got my eyes on these things. And it's 1-1 in the Spurs and a Liverpool game as well. So a lot of cool stuff. So the freak, Giannis. Size a five-year, $228 million extension. Largest in league history. And Mbappe smashes the penalty through and gives a little dance. And it spans a little bit of blue, like, saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. We'll get to that in the next segment. Well, segment after that. Fantastic step for him. You have to like him. You like it and you don't like it. You're happy for Milwaukee. Yes, you are. Small market city being able to have somebody Perhaps per play his whole career or a bulk of his career. They've got some decent pieces, pieces around him. They clearly underachieved. Definitely feel the, the you know the events going on in the country, like when Kenosha, definitely was affecting them, and they underperformed in the bubble. Simple as that. Glad that uh, Giannis wants to bring a championship back to Milwaukee. Although, it would be interesting to have seen some of the other teams in play, like the Philadelphia's and Miami, put together some kind of package, or what would have happened had he hit the market in a year or so. Then we have, in Los Angeles, Paul George, also known as Playoff P, really known as Pandemic Pay. Well, well, well he signed a four-year, $190 million extension as well. Big money for an underperformer. Maybe his past warrants it. I'm not seeing it. But then again, I'm not seeing the kind of money that Gordon Hayward's making either. Got no. I'm not going to get in anybody's pocket. If somebody's willing to pay you for it, more power to you. But you have to wonder that At the end of this, especially if the Clippers do not have any championships, what will Mr. Ballard be thinking then? So, NBA announced its top 10, and that would be LBJ, A-Day, Giannis, Luca, Kawhi, KD, Dame DalaHala, Chef Curry, Mr. Strip Club himself, Mr. Harden, and Jokic. I don't have a problem with that. You know, we can, you know, when it comes to the top, I don't know. AD might be high at two. They consider him and LeBron seem to be the team to beat. I don't have a problem with that. <coughs> Tell us what you think. FTINFX at gmail.com. We also have some preseason games. We saw Katie and Kyrie back on the court. Looks very promising there. The Lakers balled out their first couple of games without A.D. and Braun. A.D. and Braun are scheduled to shoot up tonight. Looking forward to seeing that. Mr. Strip Club himself, James Harden, returns. We saw him last night looking about 10 or 15 pounds. Overweight. Looks like he doesn't care, but he's like, yeah, I'll show up. He still wants out of Houston. And as they had a good discussion on, I believe it was, yeah, it was on Undisputed this morning and saw Chris Broussard get really animated about that. He feels like Harden's really taking advantage of the situation there. Um, yeah, I don't know what you do if you're Houston. New regime. So I guess I wouldn't have a problem if somehow they just cut bait with this. And just say, hey, you know, we're doing a nuke and pave, and we're going to go in a different direction. But man, if you think you're going to try to make it work with him and John Wall, good luck with that. You know, I hope you have your psychiatrist on, you know, 24-7, you know, have speed dial. Basically what we can say about that. Then we have Prince Kyrie getting fined $25,000 along with the Pistons also, I mean, the Nets also getting fined $25,000 for his refusal to meet meet with the media. (coughs) Excuse me. You know, he addressed the media, and it was some more whack-ball dribble coming from Kyrie's mouth. I mean, it's just... I know you gotta speak to the media, but you almost think... The public in general and the sports media is better served if the guy just keeps his mouth shut. Because every time he opens his mouth, it's just like, <coughs> you really wonder, is this guy certifiable or not? We talked about the ball boys all being on teams and giving LaBar some props. But now it looks like LeAngelo will be looking for a team after being waived by the Pistons. Okay, so we're going to get into some more NBA talk. We're going to do a preview, all sorts of things, have some just good discussion and continue this in our next block when Alec comes back. See you here on the other side. All right, then. Uh, it's been, a, it's been a little bit, but not that long. It's always good to have you know, one of my favorite correspondents and good friends to join me again to talk uh, about some NBA and later on some college sports, but, uh, let's give a nice fox trotting in a foxhole. Welcome to Alec Ford. Once again, how are you doing, Alec?
1: I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on again.
0: So what's, it, what's it like in Vegas these days?
1: Oh, you know, um, you know, a little more open than it is where you're at in Oregon. Um, You know, everything's at 25 percent capacity right now. But if you actually go to places, eh, it doesn't seem 25 percent. It seems like they could. It seems like that's a flexible number in certain casinos, at least if you go at the right time. So. Not
0: being rigorously, I mean, not, not being enforced <laughs> with, with a, any degree of... Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, no, no, you know, and I feel like those those casinos are so big that 25% can mean a lot of people still.
0: Absolutely, you know? absolutely. Well, cool. So, hey, let's get uh, rolling here. Um, we'll start out talking about some NBA, and so... I guess we'll start with a real general question, which can be broken up into whatever we want. But so what, in your opinion, since it's been such a fast turnaround, I might, I might add, from the Lakers winning it in October to where we are right now, what, in your opinion, has been the biggest off-season NBA storyline?
1: Well, right now, I would say the biggest off-season storyline is what's happening in Houston right now because there is a domino effect that will go through the rest of the league in terms of what could potentially happen. Like, does Harden get dealt? If he gets dealt, where does he get dealt to? Because that could that could potentially change the whole landscape of who's favored to go to the NBA Finals, especially if he goes to an Eastern Conference team. And then, now that you mention it, the news today that Giannis Optikenko uh, signing the Supermax and committing himself to Milwaukee – for basically the next six years um, is a huge storyline because that also has a domino effect because there were teams out there like Toronto, Miami, who I think may have been holding back in making a de- in jumping into the Harden race because they wanted to keep cap space for Giannis. But now that that's um, out of the question, there's a lot of dominoes that could fall from that. And, If I'm the Houston Rockets, ironically, I'm actually kind of happy that Giannis signs that extension because I feel that puts a lot more teams in play that might try to offer you something for James Harden.
0: So, speaking of Harden, don't you find that fascinating? That what was it? It was like a 103 million for two years that he's basically wanting to turn his nose away at.
1: Oh, yeah, I know that that is fascinating. And that tells me there is something up in Houston that is just not good if you are willing to turn away that much money. Um, Don't know exactly what it is. Um, I know there was a coaching change this summer. uh, Also, GM change. And a GM change. So there's probably, he's probably not confident that Houston could build a team to win a championship around him.
0: Now, here's the thing, you know, and we've discussed this, I know, that over the years, and I know I've brought it up in my podcast, he's a weird dude, and, and I mean weird and not in a good way in terms of, um, I do what what's the word I'm looking for? He's He is a true wildcat, As I was joking with somebody the other day, it wouldn't shock me if, if uh, during a game, he, got, he left and went to a strip club just because of how weird he is. <laughs>
1: Oh for sure he is a he is a weird cat and I mean part of the problem is he may not be a person that could be the best player on a championship team. Now, I certainly believe he could be the second best player on a championship team, but it's th- the way he plays, how much of a wild card he is like you mentioned, it's a little debatable at this point whether He could even be the best player on the team that wins the championship. Now he was close. I mean, you could argue he was a Chris Paul injury away from having had that opportunity. But as of now, we don't really know because that's, he's only really been close to the finals one time.
0: Absolutely. And he seems to be um, the one that can't get along with anyone, you know, whether it's with Russ and, Katie in Oklahoma, obviously with Chris Paul now with Russ, I count a few other people.
1: Oh, I know, I know. He, I mean, that's a that's a wild card. Like not being able to get along with people, chemistry, um, those are big things too. And we're not. A, I'm not 100 percent sure that he's necessarily the guy you want to build your team around if you want to win a championship.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you there as well. I mean, I know that, you know, one of the destinations that he would like to go, of course, who wouldn't, you know, if you're going if you can if you can uh, click and choose. But the the 76ers, and when you look at the situation there with Embiid and Ben Simmons, how the hell would he even fit in there given his weird temperament?
1: I um, mean, the situation in Philly that alone, I mean, they have issues themselves um, with Embiid and Simmons in Philadelphia, and I'm not sure adding Harden to the mix is necessarily would necessarily be the best thing, and I really don't see Simmons and Harden um, meshing together at all, because they both need to control the ball, and Simmons doesn't really space the floor very well himself, so if you, if Harden wants to be a primary ball handler in an offense like having Simmons is almost counterproductive like if i'm phil i mean plus if you're Philly it's a it's a moot point because i feel like you there's not enough assets on your team to be able to get Harden without including either Embiid or Simmons and i'm just not 100% sure i would pull the trigger i might consider Simmons but I still probably wouldn't do that with Embiid's injury history.
0: Right. His injury history, his, well, just say questionable attitude. I want to say quite bad. But, oh, yeah. Uh, his temperament. Conditioning some issues. Conditioning issues. Have. Overall, desire at times. Oh, I know. Okay, so let's talk about this here before we break down the conferences. I know this is something that we have been monitoring uh, way before I was doing a podcast, pretty much since we've dealt with COVID. We're heading into a season. We're not going to be in a bubble like we were in Orlando. COVID is obviously, as we both know, spiking crazily, people dying, people getting infected. How the hell is the National Basketball Association going to be able to pull this off?
1: I mean, it's going to take a lot of discipline from the players to pull it off. And I'm not 100% sure that's something that you could expect. Um, I mean, just as an athlete, I mean, just if you're traveling, okay, they'll be expected to stay stay in their hotel rooms the whole time when they're traveling on the road. And I mean... As a player, it might seem – you might think, oh, man, this is a little old. I'm getting on a plane going from one city to the next just to stay in a hotel room and play in front of an empty building. I mean, I got to go have some fun. I could see a lot of um, players having that attitude for sure. And the one thing that gets me wary is that I feel that you need to have legit taxi squads to make it work. All right. If you don't want to just end up with the with I know college football, which we'll get into later, with just having games canceled left and right and not having room to make up the games. So I feel like um, they needed to do some expanded rosters to make this work. But I don't see any evidence that they're going to happen because I would say I mean, I, what I would have done is I would have expanded rosters to 20, make a taxi squad and just say to them, heck, if you have seven, eight guys on your team that have an outbreak, you're pretty much, have, you're pretty much playing with a D league squad for the next 14 days. And I think that itself would be a deterrent to a lot of teams. Now, it doesn't seem like they're doing this. So I have my doubts whether it's not going whether it will um, not become what kind of what college football has become.
0: Right, and you know, and it's really perplexing when you have data now, obviously the success they had in the bubble, what you've seen with MLS in a bubble and outside of a bubble, and the nightmare you had with Colorado and all those games that were canceled, and even the effect it had on LAFC missing (laughs) key guys when they went down to to, uh, Columbia during the international break to play a friendly and they all came back sick. And that pretty much cost LAFC, even though I think Seattle will probably beat them anyways, but that's a whole other story. But the point (laughs) being, right, that you have all this data out there that's that's telling you going about it in in a normal fashion is not going to work.
1: Oh, yeah. And unfortunately, at the same time, I feel like, the NBA can't ask their players to do again what you asked them to do last summer. Okay. Like if you were the Lakers in the heat, you spent 94 days in a bubble isolated. I mean, if don't get me wrong, it was no, it wasn't like a prison or anything, but I've, there were players that probably started feeling that way as you spent as much time. I know there were some comments from players that definitely talked about the psychological tool that, um, that hat on them. So you can't ask them to go in a bubble again. So this is almost the way they have to do it. And you just have to hope they're disciplined. But I also think there needs to be more of a plan B for what if something happens? What if a team has an outbreak? And I know they've kind of split the schedule in half to allow for that. But if there's only going to be a one week break and a team has an outbreak and has to quarantine for 14 days, I just don't think that's enough time to, um, reschedule all the games necessary.
0: I agree, and you know that's kind of you know why I guess we're hammering home on this. It just seems uh, irresponsible, and if not that short-sighted. Like I said, based on what we already know, and we know a great deal. You know, nine, ten months into this, and you know this, and what it's going to take to work. And I know they, you know. Time-wise, they have a little bit more flexibility. I mean, I don't know what the world's going to look like quarter one, quarter two, uh, 2021, in terms of how close we will be back to a sense of normalcy. But still, right, let's just say, I mean, you know, given how unpredictable this has already been, it just really seems, uh, I don't know, half-baked almost.
1: And I agree. And here's the thing. I wouldn't be against this and. I don't know if the league's talked about it, but if if a normal healthy person could have access to a vaccine by March April, I believe I saw Fauci today on TV say that a typical human being, like not a healthcare worker, um, not someone in a nursing home, could have an access to a vaccine by March or April. That why not just start the season in March or April and play like a 48 58 game schedule. All right. Maybe you don't get to have it end by the Olympics like you wanted. Or maybe you don't get to have all the players in the Olympics. But why not do that? Try to maximize revenue, but at least do that. Even if you can't get fans back in the stadium right away, you at least know your players are protected and you're not going to have to deal with scheduling issues.
0: Right. And then based on what you've just, or, or, or what you're proposing there. I would guess there would be some fans in the stands because that's the main thing is with, with the ratings tanking and just an overall uh, loss of interest. You know, we've talked about this in the in the past with, you know, social justice movements and, you know, some of the uh, reaction, you know, against that, which has sort of led to poor ratings. I do feel that having some, you know, fans in the stands, even if it's 25%, getting there to be... Uh, more participation would definitely help the league in that regard. And the league is, and that's going to be a problem if we don't have fans in the stands here at some point in uh, 2021.
1: It, it is. And I actually saw Cuban today, or I believe it was yesterday. I don't know if you saw this, but Cuban I did did an end. Mark Cuban did an interview and he was expecting fans in the stands in March or April. If we got to that, that point that the point of the split that the split schedule would work perfectly because it'd be first half no fans or limited fans depending on some venues okay depending in what state you reside in there are some teams that are going forward with limited fans to start the year like a handful maybe five or six but Cuban made it sound that he thought that there could be full buildings by March or April which I have my doubts about but I mean that just shows what's on people's mind and what they think this vaccine could do. Now, I don't know the process. You get vaccinated. You could have full stadiums. I just don't think it's that simple. No, but, it's not. I don't I mean, agree. It just, I mean, but there seems to be hope and Cuban brought that up even though, and he knows a lot more than I do about this. I mean, for sure. than I would either hope. one of us, yes,
0: so. so, I
1: mean, if he, maybe there is some plan they have where, if you have a vaccine card or something, you could go into an NBA game as soon as April. I mean, I would just have to see if that materializes.
0: Okay. No, I mean, yeah, it's one of those things where you know the league needs fans, but if we're still scrambling, you know, right come February, early March, it's just not going to be feasible. No,
1: no, no. Especially if you're just starting... If you're just starting vaccinating relatively healthy people in early March, April, I don't expect fans to be able to be in the stands that early.
0: Oh, I tell you, because I'm sitting here while we're talking out of the corner of my eye. I'm watching the CONCACAF Champions match with New York City Football Club in Tigris. And, you know, I just had a cut, you know, of. The, the, the virtual fans. I have to say, I'm tired of watching these cheesy <laughs> scenes. You know, Oh, right? The guy with the...
1: oh, I'm tired of that too. I mean, fans added heck that Browns Ravens game yesterday. All right, a mm-hmm. little off topic, mm-hmm. but even though there may have been six thousand fans in the game in the stands, it only six thousand fans. Just the fact that you were able to hear them cheering, you I mean, seeing all them, it definitely added an element to the game whenever you do see games with fans in the stands, the rare times. Indeed. All right.
0: So let's jump into the conferences here. Uh, let's talk, let's talk Eastern conference first.
1: Um, who are your favorites? Oh, um, my I mean, the obvious uh, Milwaukee is the obvious choice. Um, they made a trade drew holiday for Eric Bledsoe. Um, I mean, from looking at the stats, it didn't really look like that much of an upgrade. But then when you realize how much of a better three-point shooter Holiday is than Bledsoe, I could see the extra shooting being key to them. And right now, they seem to me to be the favorites. Now, after that, there's a lot of question marks. Like, Philadelphia is a question mark. They got some shooting this offseason that they need, and we all know about the coaching change, and I think that's going to be a positive coaching change for Philadelphia. I mean, I think Doc has a way of getting the best out of certain players, and I think he's a good coach for Embiid and Simmons. Um, another one is Brooklyn is also a question mark because on paper, I mean, if, you're, if you go back pre-injuries, um, if, if Duran and Kyrie could get back to the levels they were two, three years ago, They're the clear-cut favorite to win the Eastern Conference. But um, I have my doubts just knowing how Achilles injuries could go. Um, I mean, as a Laker fan, I just remember Kobe pre-Achilles injury versus post-Achilles, and he was never the same player after he tore his Achilles. Now, he was a little older, too, so that may have played a part in it. But I also remember Dan Marino, after he tore his Achilles, was never the same player. So – no oh, sure. Brooklyn, if a healthy Brooklyn team would be the favorite, but I would hedge my bets. I would say Milwaukee, Philly, Brooklyn, and then I'm not going to count out Boston. They seem to be the team every year that just has a lot of talent, and they get to the conference finals, and they just seem to not be able to get past that last level, but this could be the year that happens. Um,
0: okay. That's interesting you say that. So... because I got a quick sidebar question here, but I also, um, thinking who do you, I mean, a dark horse, somebody who we're not really paying attention to that may emerge. Okay.
1: Here's a weird dark horse team. And it's ironic. You would consider them a dark horse because they got to the finals last year, but I would go with the Miami heat. Um, they seem to be ahead of schedule. Um, Jimmy Butler just seemed to take his game to another another level last year, um, and um, I think they got a lot of young good players, as we saw in the finals run between Bam and Hero and um, Duncan Robinson. And I think people are getting are sleeping on them because they don't seem to have the raw top end talent of those other teams. But you know what? I would not be surprised if they put something together to make another run at the finals. And going back to what we said earlier, I also feel now since they're not holding on, the, ca- they have no re- need to hold on the cap space to try to get Giannis this offseason. They could put together a good package for Harden and maybe change the game a little bit. So I've, I had a dark horse. It would be last year's Eastern Conference uh, champion, Miami Heat.
0: Okay. Interesting. Um, do you see anybody in the East that's going to fail to live up to uh, their expectations or what they've done in the past, and what you know people are looking uh, forward to seeing
1: in t- in twenty twenty one? I'm a team that could that would fail to live up to their expectations. I mean, okay, Charlotte made some moves. I mean, I'm, they're not. This may not be the team you're thinking of, but. A lot of people expect them to have a huge jump because of some moves they made. I don't really see the moves they made um, making them significant better because I, I mean, Gordon Haywood, that much money. I I was about to say that really hasn't been the same player in two years. And for the amount of money they spent, I mean, to be, they might win two or three more games than they did last year.
0: Um, 30 million a year for the next four years.
1: Oh, I, know. I thought he was crazy when he opted out. But Yeah,
0: I mean, but it's like so, hey. so much,
1: even, he read the market better than I ever thought he could. Um, Brooklyn could end up being a disappointment too, like I said, because the way their team is set up as currently constructed, um, I don't really see a lot of shooting around Duran and Kyrie. And I mean, but then you got the variables of their injury history, plus. They do not seem to be the most – both Duran and Kyrie have had histories in the past of, let's say, not having – not being the most level-headed person. And Great, great you, player in the world.
0: You just dropped right into what my side question, which before we get to the West, let's talk about Prince Kyrie. <laughs> He's had quite the offseason, or even going back to the, the bubble – he seems to can't keep himself out of the news.
1: Oh no, no! I mean, he's never kept himself out of the news, and um, there. I mean, going back to his flat Earth days, he's never um, kept himself out of the news, and just his head. His head seems to be in different directions that aren't necessarily a hundred percent focused on basketball, like the ridiculous media boycotts. The basically the suggesting that they should, or the basically going from suggesting he should go to the bubble, even though he wasn't going to be able to play to suggesting nobody should go to the bubble. I mean, just the amount of turns and one eighties he does. He's not someone I would necessarily count on if I needed, I mean, as a franchise line player to lead you to a title. I mean, he's, he'll be the second best player on the team. So Durant will be that person, but, I mean, that combination just doesn't seem to um, – I, I just see, like, um, it has the potential to be oil and water. I definitely yeah. see that. And I have poten- – that has potential to blow up. Oh,
0: serious I mean, middle cases there. No doubt. Oh,
1: and even going to Durant, okay? I mean, I mean, yeah, he got his two titles with Golden State. But, I mean, I almost think, come on. I mean, of superstar players with two titles, I mean, I feel like – Almost anybody that's kind of on his left. I mean, I just felt like he, he joined a 73 win team. I mean, he obviously made them more um, lethal, but I mean, I it wasn't the typical way a person, a guy of his level, gets his titles, me.
0: Oh, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. And I think one of the reasons why he went to uh, Brooklyn was the lack of respect he received. He thought that to winning the title with Golden State, that all of a sudden people would, yeah, KD, you are the, the guy. And instead, he got more pushback than he did not winning it in Oklahoma for joining the Warriors, which I thought was very ironic. Oh, yeah. Because, ironic. I mean, he
1: joined the team that he, that not only did, well, he, he, he joined the team that proved they could win the title without and proved they could win 73 and was one, Miracle LeBron James performance, James performance away from being back-to-back champions without him. So, I mean, that's part of the reason that I feel like he didn't get the respect that he may have thought he was going to get because he gave himself automatic title totally. in a lot of people's minds. So, let's talk about the
0: West. Um, oh, the so, West,
1: love the West.
0: Obviously, the world knows you and I both are huge fans of the. World champion, 17 time Los Angeles Lakers.
1: (laughs) Oh, sounds so good.
0: Sounds Sounds so so good.
1: good Sounds so great. Yes.
0: So, the obvious can the Lakers repeat?
1: Oh, not only can they, I will make a prediction here on your show right now. They will repeat as NBA champions. And that's not even a Homer prediction. I'm just telling you right here on your show. You could save the audio. The Los Angeles Lakers will, pending a catastrophic injury, that's the one caveat. Sure.
0: As it always should be. One of the
1: two top two players, they will repeat as NBA champions.
0: So break (laughs) it down for us why you think they're going to repeat.
1: Well, I look at the team they had last year, okay, going into the year and You could go back and look at the ESPN predictions from the beginning of last year. No one had us winning the title, and I don't necessarily blame that because on paper, we didn't look like we had a team much after LeBron and AD. I mean, we definitely lacked a third scorer that could um, create his own shot last year. I mean, it was all – the whole offense was basically relied upon LeBron creating – Opportunities for himself and the rest of the team. And he did a great job at that, honestly. I mean, it ended up with a title. But when I look at the roster moves we made, um, I definitely like getting shorter. Um, Now, it remains to be seen whether he's going to start or whether he's going to come off the bench. That's something that's not going to, uh, that hasn't been decided yet. But I feel like he could create his own shot in a way that no other. No player outside of LeBron and AD on our team last year could have. Um, the Matthews move at the salary we got him for, I feel is great, too. I mean, I feel like he's a perfect um, replacement for Danny Green. He could do the same things Danny Green does in terms of defense and shoot threes, but costs like $15 million less, I believe. Um,
0: we like that. Harrell,
1: getting Harold from the Clippers off the bench. Yeah, I know he struggled in the playoffs, but he was a 18 and 8 guy off the bench for the Clippers last year. So, and then last but not least, Mark Gasol. Um, he's a little up there in age, but I mean, as a passer, he was once Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, that was six, seven years ago. Right now, and I feel like he could fill in the shoes that we lost. But he could more than fill in. He could be an upgrade over the mcgee dwight combination we had last year um so i mean just looking at our roster i feel like we upgraded at almost every area that you needed to upgrade now there's some areas we miss like i'm not gonna take away how big rondo was for us in the playoffs last year and we're gonna miss him he was kill- yes, he was a killer. He gave us the momentum swings we needed. And honestly, the in terms of playing solid D, the McGee Dwight combination last year for us, I mean, they did all you could ask them to do. Serious when for-
0: protecting. I mean, yeah. So intimidating But I just
1: feel that we got we upgraded in skill and this year I also feel like I mean, we may not be as dominant in the regular season. I feel like Vogel will go out of his way to make sure the guys are rested more, especially when you look at what, how short of an off season we got. Circumstances but are going to
0: necessitate that for sure.
1: Oh yeah, and I but I think come the playoffs, um, we're we're going to be right there, and we're going to get championship number eighteen to pass Boston on that list, which will feel good.
0: Indeed. Next quick thing that I was, I'm not sure if you were watching the uh, the second exhibition with the Clippers the other night. Uh, I yes. was kind of peered into that while I was watching the football game. And, boy, I tell you, that Gasol's basketball IQ and the passing just, he just joined us a few minutes ago. And I was just like, wow.
1: Oh, honestly, watching that, it reminded me when his older brother joined us. Absolutely. Back in 08. And it just it just clicked immediately oh, when well, he joined us. Without so. a doubt. So, and I think he's the same way. I
0: I concur. So who do you see as, because we're going to assume that if the Lakers don't win it, the winner will probably come from the West, which means who are the Lakers' biggest challengers in terms of stealing the crown away from the Lakers, at least the Western Conference
1: one? All right. There's the obvious choice of the Clippers. Um, But, man, they seem to have some issues they got to work through that, you just didn't that it just all came apart for them last year. But in terms of pure talent, they still are as talented as any team in the league. Um, if Ty Lu could work his magic and get everyone on the same page, they will be right there competing with us. A team that I'm gonna say, just because I am, I, just because of how highly I think of this one individual, I think Dallas is a team that. I could easily see in the conference finals this um, this year. i say that because of Luka Doncic. I mean, Luka Doncic could easily win MVP. I sure. Think. Um, the growth he started to make last year, and then what you saw of him in the bubble, if he could take his game to another level, I know they didn't make a lot of fancy offseason moves, but because of how good he, I mean, there are times where he looks like the best player in the NBA.
0: Sure. You're you want him. a healthy for and you've got a whole lot of trouble there.
1: Oh yeah. And I think that's a team to watch. And I think that's a team that could kind of be a sneaky team to come out of the West. If something go wrong with the top contenders. Okay, um, What about Denver or and Phoenix? Then, and then Denver too. I think Denver is another team that in that um, that's in that area. Phoenix, I think, will definitely – Phoenix will make the playoffs this year. I don't think they're a team that could um, make a title run. I'm not sure. But that – I mean, it all depends – I mean, CP3 could get guys to mesh together. I think we've seen that throughout his career. And with him, it's an injury question too. Like last year, Oklahoma City got 80 – or he did not miss one game last year, I believe, which – is a shocker when you look at his injury history, but we'll have to see if that could uh, hold up in Phoenix.
0: Um, and you got any dark horses,
1: any dark horses out of the West. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. If I had a dark horse, there's two that I kind of go back and forth. If things one is new Orleans. Okay. Now new Orleans is a borderline playoff team, just in a lot of people's minds. So, but They, I mean, Ingram will be a year older, and we cannot forget about Zion Williams. Now, he's not going to be on his minute restriction.
0: He looked pretty fierce last night.
1: He looked, yeah, he looked pretty good. And I feel like, I mean, I feel New Orleans will make the playoffs. I don't think, and I think they'll clearly make the playoffs. I don't think they're going to be a borderline playoff team. And maybe Bled, maybe the Bledsoe move helps them. They actually, the Steven Adams move helps them because he's a sneak, he's a player who. I mean, he's not going to go out there and he's not going to score 30 points, but he gives – he's always – I mean, he was seemed to be the one constant on Oklahoma City the last four or five years. When Whenever they lost somebody, they whether they, they lost a the superstar or whatever, but they always seemed to not drop in the standings. And I thought about it, and Stephen Adams was pretty much the one constant on the team the last four or five years. And he definitely gives you good He gives you good D. He's not a superstar. So I like the moves they make. And the other team, believe it or not, is Portland.
0: Um, I was going to say, no holla for Dame Dala.
1: I mean, Dame last year in the Dame, could ha, Dame has range that I don't think I've seen oh, it's anybody insane. have in the history of the NBA. I mean, Chef I mean, Curry's I'm, pretty close,
0: but I, I, I'm with yes, him. Curry's
1: pretty close, but he pulls up from for, like, just inside the half court line at times. And Portland had no luck with injuries last year, as we all know, which is part of the reason they were in a position where they probably would have missed the playoffs if there wasn't for that pause, but they were definitely like, I would say outside of Phoenix in the, in the um, eight games that they, eight or so games that the teams played in the bubble before the playoffs, they were probably about the second most impressive team in terms of how they looked in the bubble last year. Once they actually had a, once they actually had their team healthy and um, they added, um, they added a shooter to Covington, they added Covington. Yes, they did. So I think that's going to help them also. And I think they could, they're a team that could just shoot their way into contention. If everything goes right for them.
0: So then who's the MVP in your mind for this, this coming season?
1: If I had to guess, I'm going to go back. I mean, I would predict Luca going to win the MVP. Okay, Now, not, not the same as the best player because because um, LeBron's still the best player, but the way the Lakers are going to load manage him this year, I think is going to take him out of the MVP conversation. Um, because I just think, don't think they're going to play him heavy minutes. They might give him off nights a lot more, especially at the beginning of the year. But I feel like Dallas is he's going to take a jump, and I feel like Dallas will take a jump in the standings that will enable Luca to win his. First MVP award in his, I believe, is his third year in the league next year.
0: Perfect, perfect. I, it, which that, that's correct, and you know he's he's got some flaws in his game per se. As Skip Bayless likes to point out. Every, every but that said. The upside is LeBron was just talking the other day, you know, full of expletives. But he's right. The guy's <laughs> a bad boy. And I am oh, yeah. with you as far as that goes. So before we before you wrap this up, so we you obviously got the Lakers
1: representing the West.
0: Who do you got in the East?
1: All right. I got it's gotta happen eventually. I got, especially with his supermax contract he signed, I think Milwaukee is finally gonna get out of the East this year. Um, They've clearly been the best regular season team the last two years. They haven't put it together in the playoffs for whatever reason. But I just think this is the year that Giannis finally puts it together in the playoffs and gets Milwaukee to the NBA championship. And as we know, the NBA loves these superstar matchups. We're going to get the LeBron Giannis NBA finals that the league so desperately wants to have happen.
0: Okay, because, I mean, we definitely were deprived of LeBron-Kobe matchup that should have happened, but didn't yes, because nice. of weird circumstances.
1: Weird circumstances. They, One of them was in the finals almost every year for, like, a good period, but they just never seemed to play each other. You Absolutely,
0: know? and it's unfortunate that we were deprived of that. All righty, so we're going to take a quick break here. I will have you back a little bit. Later to talk about some hardcore college football, or who knows? I might be doing this in reverse. Either either way, (laughs) we will be back shortly.
1: (laughs) All right. All righty. Welcome
0: back. Fox Striding in a Foxhole, episode 28, season one. Your faithful host, Ken Harlan. Uh, Thank Alec once again. Always a pleasure. We'll definitely have him back at mid-season. Somewhere down down the stretch to review what we discussed today and uh, explore what storylines are at the time. Working on getting my man Dave Williams back to discuss... NFL, as we get ready to wrap up the season and head to the postseason, that should be coming here soon. We've been discussing it, I the scene, been slow with that, a lot of weird things going on there. But uh, just did an audio upgrade with uh, my mobile unit, or it's about to happen here. It was supposed to happen today, but we have to wait a day, so I'm definitely to have more episodes of that than you can handle. Probably, you know, it's gonna all roll out at once. Really excited about that. Anyway, talk, talk, talk. You'll see it when you believe it. <laughs> so let's get to the beautiful game, wife. Uh, 10-man Lorient's in a lot of trouble as PSG just scored again. My man Moises Kane showing his... Magical stuff. That should have been a penalty. It should be a you know PSG should be playing for a third goal. Spurs and um, Liverpool are still one one. Yeah, a lot of action going on. You know this time of year is great as you have all these fixtures during the week. Great stuff. So Saturday we had the MLS Cup final. Columbus Crew Crew ninety six Seattle Sounders. Crew smacked the Sounders down. I mean, was, we mentioned in the earlier block about COVID having a, an impact. Wouldn't know it. Uh, the Sounders defending champs look like defending jumps. Give the crew 96 a major shout out. They closed down Mafire Stadium in grand style. Well, the serving. Definitely. Uh, was a team to keep an eye on coming out of the MLS's Back Cup Tournament. They definitely started to flex their muscle. Kind of want to say, you know, early October. Anyhow, you got the sense that this was a team to keep an eye on. I mean, obviously, Philadelphia, the Supporters' Shield winner, was impressive. But, crew, fantastic job. Kudos to you. Well done. LAFC... Keep you know, take a page out of that and learn how to bring a title home. <laughs> <coughs> Speaking of, we had some Concacaf Champions League. Not a good night for the MLS last night, as Montreal and New York City were definitely run out of the building by Tigres. That. Just, all I can hope for is tonight, LAFC and, and Cruz Azul, that maybe as disappointing as the black and gold season has been, they can save face by getting a big win. Because right now, MLS is not looking good as far as Conquer Camp goes. Probably would have been different had COVID not interrupted this way back in March. But right now, it's a whole different story. And last night was another dark night. <laughs> as far as the MLS and Liga MX goes. Ooh, What are some great saves there by uh, PSG's Beckham goalies. We don't have Ke- Keeler Davis in the Nets today. I know, it's crazy trying to watch these games and do this podcast. But, so anyway... We had the final for uh, La La Liga Apertura. Leon takes out Pumas 2-0, and so they win 3-1 on aggregate. It's funny because the discussions as far as creating a Super League with Liga MX and the MLS are heating up. I am not seeing it yet in terms of our teams being able to compete with them. Just saying. Right. But congratulations to Leon. Even though P- uh, PSG, LAFC took them out in CONCACAF Champions League earlier this year. Hey, props to them. They've played, they've played the best. In between this, we had the USA. They were very impressive and they were 6 0 win over El Salvador. you know, not even having the full compliment of everyone. Hope they can take this momentum into 2021. A lot of promising, you know, as we talk about all of the Americans who've been playing in Champions League and and over in Europe and doing well. Things look really good there. Uh, Borussia Dortmund, Sachs, coach Lucien Favre. Not shocking there. I mean, they had a pretty bad loss over the weekend. I think that Byron being so good, you know they're always going to be fighting an uphill battle, but I just think there's just some frustration there. Not surprising that Borussia Dortmund's going in another way. So, we also know now who's going to be in the Champions League knockout round. We got some rant, fantastic matchups, chief among them, PSG and Barcelona. Obviously, this would be a replay of the famous Riemann where PSG. <coughs> with a comfortable lead, gets ran out of the building 6-1. And, you know, people, you know, right? it's the subject of many memes. Messi and Neymar. Neymar got hurt over the weekend. Get to that in a second. Hopefully he's helped me for that. But, yeah, it'll be real fun to watch Neymar F-healthy square off in Champions League with, with his former Barcelona teammates. Must see there. No question. We're going to have uh, Manchester City and Gladback, Bayern and Lazio, Liverpool-Leipzig, Atletico Madrid-Chelsea, Porto-Juventus, Sevilla, Borussia Dortmund, Atalanta, and Real Madrid. Fantastic matchups for the knockout round. Can't wait for it. It's going to be great stuff. So what happened on the pitch? A lot going on. You know, with fixtures over the weekend and fixtures during the week. Over in League One. Uh, Lyon shocks PSG in Paris. Neymar hurt and stoppage time. PSG is not at top of the League One table right now. They were actually in third. Although, doing a little bit better today as they're up 2-0 against 10-man Lorient. Yeah, yeah. Oh, in the Premier League, we had the Manchester Derby over the weekend. Manchester City and Manchester United playing to a 0-0 draw. Everton took out Chelsea. Tough week for Chelsea as Chelsea also lost yesterday to to the Wolves 2 1. So, not a good week for Mr. Lampard and his boys. Liverpool informed it was a 1 1 draw. Burnley shocked Arsenal. Arsenal also played to a 1 1 draw today over in La Liga. The Madrid Derby also ended in a draw as Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid played in a 2 2 stalemate. Marker gets by Levante 1-0. And Serie A, Juventus, Napoli, Atalanta all pick up wins. While table leader AC Milan had a 2-2 draw with Parma. over the Bundesliga. We had Bayern Munich and Mönchengladbach. back. They were both in 1-1 draws. We, said we talked about Borussia Dortmund being shot by Stuttgart. And obviously that leading to the dismissal of their of, of their coach last manager seat continues this conti- fantastic run with another win. So, yeah, it's basically what's going on over in the beautiful game. I said we've got action going. Today, Everton beat Leicester City 2-0. They're quietly lurking around. Crystal Palace and West Ham 1-1. Love having all these games on. It's, like I said, it's so cool being able to watch two major continent matches. While I'm doing a podcast. Yeah. You know, it beats the Christina on the coast marathon I was watching earlier. Not that I have a problem checking out Christina Onstad, Elmas Howey, whatever she is this week. You know, just always something pleasurable about watching her flip and flop in those houses. No doubt. Anyway, we will be back. Well, actually, we won't be back. We will actually go all the way through with this because there's no need. So let's just jump to the NFL report, shall we? So, not going on in the field. We talked a little bit about COVID's impact. So let's talk about uh, some off-the-field stuff. Our man, Dick Sherman, or Richard Sherman, depending on what... uh, Fan base is uh, speaking of him. He says he's skeptical about returning to San Francisco for a third year. He thinks their cap issues are going to prevent him. He would know since he negotiates his own contracts, but he's feeling the numbers aren't going to be there. Excuse me, it's so drafty. I just got the cough today. The Raiders dismissed. Their defensive coordinator got through after a brutal loss. No surprise there. People have been seeing that coming for weeks. Raiders was sort of like proving to be fool's gold, so somebody's going to have to be the scapegoat there. One of the things I thought was interesting is hearing Adam Gaze tell the New York media he's let ownership down. Really? No! Uh, you haven't won a game. Looked absolutely pathetic in the game of the Seahawks this this past week. You know they were competitive with the Raiders, but they also had you know the worst finish, which cost Greg Williams his job. But yeah, coming out and telling the New York media, yeah, I I felt, um, yeah, I don't, I think they already knew. I guess, acknowledge. I don't even think acknowledging it just almost, you know, underscores what a mockery. But let's say, Trevor Lawrence, pick your coach. All right. You're not going to spur New York on. In fact, you should take that as a challenge. You, you will be bigger in life if you can resurrect that Morbon franchise. What about the Cowboys and Dak? Because there's so much talk from day to day. What the Cowboys should do with him. Well, I'm of the opinion that whew, you gotta go. I think you gotta you gotta stick with Dak, considering now if you think you can get Phil's, you're not getting you're not getting Jeffrey Lawrence. If you can get Phil's and you think he's gonna be better than Dak, the numbers seem to be a little bit better. But you have to put him out there in your one, because what you're seeing with Andy Dalton. Yeah, Andy Dalton could be a bad team, like Cincinnati, but you put him up against somebody like a defense like the Washington Football Club has, and it's pretty clear why Cincinnati went with Joe Burrow. So, that's a tough one. Since I hate the Cowboys, I hope they get it wrong whatever they do. (laughs)
1: Let's
0: talk about week 14. Lamar, Monday night. Dude totally stole the show. You know, obviously, cramping up or going to the bathroom, whatever the case. It was a great uh, time on the internet when he disappeared. But coming in on that fourth and five after the backup quarterback hurts his knee, is able to get to the outside and, you know, hit Hollywood Brown, who had had some drops before that. Huge catch. Got to love the bad break at the end with with the safety that costs betters. You know, as far as it being minus three going to minus five, yeah, I didn't see that coming. Gotta love that feature. How now people are always looking for that angle. And then you got like a Baker Mayfield, uh, forty-two points normally is going to be enough to win in this league. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he had the pick, but otherwise he's coming. He's definitely blooming. I said earlier about the thing with with uh, OBJ gone and that narrative. Well, you know you got to believe what the eye test tells you. And right now, it doesn't hurt having Chubb and Kareem Hunt in the backfield to take a lot of the pressure off of you. Being able to commit you with two ballers like that definitely helps the passing game, all the, all the play action that you can create off of that and some of the screens. So, like what we're seeing with Baker, I know I call them hardcore fool's gold, but it's a tough loss for them. but. The Ravens are no slush. They hit, they hit a rough patch, mainly COVID-induced. But, yeah, they're going to be a tough out. Um, the Washington football team takes over first in the NFC East with a 23-15 win. Offense didn't score a touchdown by Chase Young. People called him a bust out there balling. Had a scoop for a touchdown. Beautiful stuff. There's a menace out there. Defense did all the work. Alex Smith hurt his calf. Dwayne Hastings came in, didn't show us anything. Big game against Seattle. They have a one-game win, over, a one-game lead over the Giants, who stumbled in a very ugly loss as Kyler and company go up the Met light and just beat the brakes off the Giants, 26-7. Daniel Jones putting the ball on the turf. Probably rushed him back too soon. Big loss for them, but that puts the Washington football team in the driver's seat. Bears, clobber Houston... Two things going on here. What with the Bears? Where the heck has this been? Trubisky looked alright. Was there did you really have the bench him? And then with Houston. But well, you gotta feel for Deshaun, JJ Watt, you know, some of the talented guys who haven't been jettisoned, you know, by former coach O'Brien. But what a mess there. Right. Um, you know, there's just so many questions. I, I mean, right? And with the Bears, same thing. It's just like you know, you get off to the great start, going to the tank. Now, now you want to start playing again. Probably too little too late, yeah. Um, talked about Dallas, riding Cincinnati. Yeah, okay. Kansas City just does enough to beat Miami. You know, some folks were looking at it like Mahomes and, you know, he had like three picks. Miami's good. This guy, Brian Flores, we've been talking about them for weeks. Um, that said... Come on, man. The Chiefs are just toying with people. When they need to get a score, they are able to get a score. Yeah. Um, the Bucks beat the Vikings. Not that impressive, right? Vikings kicker Dan Bailey leaves 10 points on the field. Guys just become mental. But uh yeah, some of those kicks were so offline and so bad. Missed three field goals on a PAT. 12-point loss goes a long ways. Um, You know, I guess you would just say, I know if you listen to Skip Bayless, that was another fantastic tryout by Tom Brady. No, they just did enough to win. Tennessee had a walk of the park against Jacksonville. Not much there. Indianapolis, slapping the Raiders 44-27 in Vegas is a big deal. We talked about they got rid of their defensive coordinator. Yes, I mean the Raiders once again fooling people into thinking they're back. We sold our silver to buy our crack. Is what it looks like. Fools gold, straight up. Even if they do make the playoffs, this team will get run. They, it's just not there. Yeah, Mike Mayock's done a good job of putting together putting together some talent on the squad. Um, Chucky, the books not close. But right now, if you were going to ask me, I would say, yeah, indeed, the game maybe has passed you by. Carr, you can put up numbers, but it's obviously you ain't like mohomes where, or even Baker, where what you can do is enough to compensate for some of the other misgivings this team has. Just saying. Seattle and the Jets, yeah, 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 whatever. Green Bay takes the number one seed in the NFC with a 31-24 win over the Rejuvenate Lions, which brings us to the Eagles beating the Saints. I think the Taysom Hill experiment has been exposed. Jalen balled out. Is he that good or is it we don't have any film on him yet? Eagles all of a sudden with that win lurking. They have a chance to, to, to somehow win the East if Jalen Hurts can obviously propel them. I will be curious because they have, say, they don't have any cupcakes. So we'll see how quickly coordinators pick up to what he's doing. And so obviously, you know, with his legs, I think he had 107 yards rushing, big runs, some really key throws. Looked good. I mean, you know, I feel, I mean, I think Carson Wentz probably went home and uh, broke, out, broke out the JD and started squigging it, you know, kind of like um, John Belushi in Animal House. Yeah, I think it was one of those kind of scenes. Crazy there. Anyway, a lot going on there with the Eagles and the Saints. Saints got a big game coming up with with the uh, Chiefs this weekend. They may try to rush Breeze out there. I don't think so. I don't know about all the talk about bringing Mr. Interception out there. Um, You know, Jameis. But I really feel we saw the limits of what Taysom Hill can do. You know, guy's a baller. Great uh, tool on your arsenal. or Weapon, I should say. Yeah, okay. Chargers get to win at the buzzer, 327. It's two or nine teams. Good for Herbie to, to actually be on the winning side for once. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. It must be getting a cold here. Um. Let's see here. Woo. Okay, you know, as they always say, nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Well, Josh Allen and the boys, they're for real. Now, I know the Steelers, with all the games they've played, they're beat up. There's no question about it. But another team, you hate to say uh, a team that's 11-2 and two, can be fool's gold. Well, I'm not saying that, but they've been exposed and... Yeah, I think if the Bills and the Steelers were to meet again in the playoffs, we would see a similar result. Uh, like what we're seeing there on both sides of the ball, Stefan Diggs, just a monster. Great things going on there, right with the Bills. Good to see that the torch has been passed. Oh, yeah, forgot about the week starting out on Thursday with the Rams and the Patriots. Every time the Patriots take a step forward, it's five steps backwards with Cam, the whole team. It's just not enough talent there. They've had a great run. The hoodie needs to go back into the drawing board and come up with a new formula because this one's no longer working. 24-3. Looked worse at that. Cam looked bad. The whole thing. Just not good. Alrighty. Wow, this has been a long episode and it's been fun. I really appreciate this. You know, I... As I said, I don't. I'd be definitely tell your friends, but I don't care so much about the analytics. I enjoy doing this. I'm getting more comfortable. I've gotten some good feedback from some friends and who actually are checking it out. And I know people are busy, but you're going to have time over the holidays, especially with uh, all these games getting canceled. Check it out. Tell your friends about it. But it's TMA time. Turd McCrory. You know, turn McQuarrie for that special somebody who is deserving of being called the turn of the Week. Well, we're gonna give out a big stainless bowl, and we're gonna give out uh, some comp balls. So the big stainless bowl is gonna go to LSU. Self-imposing a one-year ban during a very bad season. Really. Well, you know, we're, you know, it was a big win, by the way, before, against Florida, right? So, but still, they okay, like three and six. Uh-oh. Liverpool has just scored for Mito. They're up 2-1, and this is in the 90th minute. Not quite stoppage time yet, but a late goal for Liverpool. Exciting stuff right there, let me tell you. But yeah, I mean, imposing, you know, a self-imposed one-year ban when you were having a crappy season. Yeah, gee, was that's that's taking a hit, and then thinking they're doing the honorable thing by choosing that option. Yes, you y- all get the huge stainless steel bowl full of turds, the turd McCory, and then we have some complimentary bowls to hang out for the commissioners of the Pac-12 and Big Ten. The way this has gone down has been a total crap fest. The moving of the goalposts, the mockery in terms of who's going to be in the championship games. It's just a total clown show. And I've picked on you enough, but I do feel that each week, it seems like this thing gets to be more of an odyssey. So for that, you get some complimentary stainless steel balls, courtesy of our friend, Turd McCory. All right, folks, it has been fantastic. A lot there. Can't wait to be back next week. Way things are going with so much to talk about. We may have a guest, we may not. You just have to tune in and find out. All right, then. As always, mask up, socially distance, sanitize, avoid large gatherings inside, do all these things so we can get back to our games, get back to our concerts, Get back to doing our party. Get back to enjoying one another. Yeah, all that good stuff. Got three minutes of stoppage time at the cop with Liverpool up 2-1. Um, yeah, be safe. Be sane. going to be a lot to talk about. Like I said, keep an eye out on the scene. Follow us on Facebook. we got a page. Like to put our updates there. And I might say on the way out. Yeah, the idea of crystal ball leaving Oregon to go to Auburn, leaving Phil's money. (laughs) We'll probably be talking about that on the next episode. I can't see that getting any traction. Anyway, we will see you in about a week. Peace out.